0: All aboard the Nazi-themed subway car? You heard right. New York City strap hangers were shocked this morning to find themselves riding this car decked out in Nazi-inspired propaganda straight out of the Third Reich. The Nazi-themed eagle, Iron Cross, and symbols from Japan's Imperial Army of World War II. They're all there. So what's going on?
1: I pledge allegiance.
0: Hard to believe, but it's an ad campaign for Amazon.com's new streaming program, The Man in the High Castle, a sci-fi thriller that depicts an alternative America. What if we had lost the war and the Nazis were in charge? The ads are considered to be especially in your face because they cover every seat in this 42nd Street shuttle at Times Square. Imagine coming to work and seeing this. Reaction as you can imagine is quite intense. Worst taste marketing stunt ever? What the heil? And those are some of the gentler headlines. I think
2: it's offensive. Yeah, I I don't think it belongs here.
0: An MTA spokesman was quoted as saying the campaign meets its guidelines for content neutral ads. Unless you're saying you believe Amazon is advocating for a Nazi takeover of the United States, then it meets the standards. But a spokesman for the Anti-Defamation League of New York is concerned about the context of the ads. On the television program, which explains this is the notion of an America controlled by Hitler, you get that context. On the train, a Nazi symbol is viscerally offensive. The MTA spokesman declined to say how much Amazon was paying for the ads, which will run to December 14th.
3: context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy today's date. Thursday, February 10, 2022. So I have been told this is our second study session on Philip K. Dix, the man in the High Castle. So last week we uh, did the first three chapters of the book, uh, which is totally, totally different from the television show that we heard about. Context, but totally different. Um, I have not, I think I said last week, hey, I've not seen uh, the television show. I've seen like one and a half episodes. I'm not sufficiently motivated to watch 40 hours, four seasons worth of television and i was even less motivated once i started reading and i kept seeing that hey the book and the tv show are totally different which i kind of was guessing at last week because i was like man like i haven't seen very much but like did they have that in the tv show where they're talking about exterminating the population on the continent of africa is that in the tv show because i never heard that like we probably would have read this way sooner If I knew that was in the TV show, I haven't heard that. And some of the other things that they talk about, like I think it might be just kind of the general premise that the Nazis control half of the US, Japan the other half, we lost World War II. I think the premise, but the actual narrative, I think is very different between the two. So again, if anybody has seen the TV show as a reading along, and you want to compare and contrast kind of point out some of the major differences in the book as we're reading along feel free uh the audio that we heard at the beginning uh that was a part of the advertising campaign again i think the man in the high castle was a part of amazon's first wave of releases of streaming content in in terms of originally produced streaming content from amazon like this was a big deal and then as it was on for four years and they terrorized everybody on the subway in New York with all of their Nazi paraphernalia uh, and what have you. What a way to kick things off. Dr. Welsing talked about that at the Welsing Institute. We heard that uh, last week, but there was lots of hubbub about all of this. Uh, Dr. Welsing again saying hey, system of racism, white supremacy, lots of justifications, often very tacky uh, for displaying Nazi symbolism, swastikas, Adolf Hitler, symbolism of white supremacy, racism. Anywho, uh, without further ado, we will go ahead and get started. Uh, again, Philip K. Dick, who also authored The Minority Report. No people are familiar with that. Sci fi legend, uh, author, uh, even though he died at the Young age, uh, at 53, I think young, uh, young age of 53, he wrote quite a bit, uh, before he expired. Uh, we will go ahead and get started. Philip K. Dick, the man in the high castle context of white supremacy. This is audio segment one.
1: Chapter four. As Frank Frink watched his ex employer waddle down the corridor and into the main work area of WM Corporation, he thought to himself. The strange thing about Wyndham Matson is that he does not look like a man who owns a factory. He looks like a tenderloin bum, a wino, who has been given a bath, new clothes, a shave, haircut, shot of vitamins, and set out into the world with five dollars to find a new life. The old man had a weak, shifty, nervous, even ingratiating manner, as if he regarded everyone as a potential enemy stronger than he, whom he had to fawn on and pacify. They're going to get me, his manner seemed to say. And yet, old W.M. was really very powerful. He owned controlling interests in a variety of enterprises, speculations, real estate, as well as the W.M. Corporation factory. Following after the old man, Frink pushed open the big metal door to the main work area. The rumble of machinery, which he had heard around him every day for so long, sight of men at the machines, air filled with flash of light, waste dust, movement. There went the old man. Frink increased his pace. Hey, Mr. W.M., He called. The old man had stopped by the hairy armed shop foreman at McCarthy. Both of them glanced up as Frank came toward them. Moistening his lips nervously, Wyndham Manson said, I'm sorry, Frank. I can't do anything about taking you back. I've already gone ahead and hired someone to take your place, thinking you weren't coming back after what you said. His small round eyes flickered with what Frank knew to be an almost hereditary evasiveness. It was in the old man's blood. Frink said, I came for my tools, nothing else. His own voice, he was glad to hear, was firm, even harsh. Well, let's see, W.M. mumbled, obviously hazy in his own mind as to the status of Frink's tools. To Ed McCarthy, he said, I think that would be in your department, Ed. Uh, Maybe you can fix Frank here up. I have other business. He glanced at his pocket watch. Listen, Ed, I'll discuss that invoice later. I have to run along. He patted Ed McCarthy on the arm and then trotted off, not looking back. Ed McCarthy and Frink stood together. You came to get your job back, McCarthy said after a time. Yes, Frink said. I was proud of what you said yesterday. So was I, Frink said. But Christ, I can't work it out anywhere else. He felt defeated and hopeless. You know that. The two of them had, in the past, often talked over their problems. McCarthy said, I don't know that. You're as good with that flex cable machine as anybody on the coast. I've seen you whip out a piece in five minutes, including the rouge polishing, all the way from the rough cradex, and except for the welding. I never said I could weld, Frink said. Did you ever think of going into business on your own? Frink, taken by surprise, stammered. What doing? Jewelry. "'Ah, for Christ's sake!' "'Custom original pieces, not commercial!' McCarthy beckoned him over to a corner of the shop, away from the noise. "'For about two thousand bucks you could set up a little basement or garage shop. One time I drew up designs for women's earrings and pendants. You remember, real modern contemporary.' Taking scratch paper, he began to draw, slowly, grimly. Peering over his shoulder, Frank saw a bracelet design, an abstract with flowing lines. "'Is there a market?' all he had ever seen were the traditional, even antique, objects from the past. Nobody wants contemporary American. There isn't any such thing. Not since the war. Create a market, McCarthy said with an angry grimace. You mean sell it myself? Take it into retail shops, like that, what's it called, on Montgomery Street, that big ritzy art object place. American artistic handcrafts, Frink said. He never went into fashionable, expensive stores such as that. Few Americans did. It was the Japanese who had the money to buy from such places. "'You know what retailers like that are selling?' McCarthy said. "'And getting a fortune for? Those goddamn silver belt buckles from New Mexico that the Indians make. Those goddamn tourist trash pieces all alike. Supposedly Native art.' For a long time, Frink regarded McCarthy. "'I know what else they sell,' he said finally." And so do you. Yes, McCarthy said. They both knew, because they had both been directly involved, and for a long time. W.M. Corporation's stated legal business consisted in turning out wrought iron staircases, railings, fireplaces, and ornaments for new apartment buildings, all on a mass basis from standard designs. For a new 40-unit building, the same piece would be executed 40 times in a row. Ostensibly, W.M. Corporation was an iron foundry, But, in addition, it maintained another business, from which its real profits were derived. Using an elaborate variety of tools, materials, and machines, W.M. Corporation turned out a constant flow of forgeries of pre-war American artifacts. These forgeries were cautiously but expertly fed into the wholesale art object market to join the genuine objects collected throughout the continent. As in the stamp and coin business, No one could possibly estimate the percentage of forgeries in circulation. And no one, especially the dealers and the collectors themselves, wanted to. When Frink had quit, there lay half-finished on his bench a Colt revolver of the frontier period. He had made the molds himself, done the casting, and had been busy hand-smoothing the pieces. There was an unlimited market for small arms of the American Civil War and frontier period. W.M. Corporation could sell all that Frink could turn out. It was his specialty. Walking slowly over to his bench, Frink picked up the still rough and burred ramrod of the revolver. Another three days and the gun would be finished. Yes, he thought, it was good work. An expert could have told the difference, but the Japanese collectors weren't authorities in the proper sense, had no standards or tests by which to judge. In fact, as far as he knew, it had never occurred to them to ask themselves if the so-called historic art objects for sale in West Coast shops were genuine. Perhaps some day they would, and then the bubble would burst. The market would collapse, even for the authentic pieces. A Gresham's Law, the fakes would undermine the value of the real. And that, no doubt, was the motive for the failure to investigate. After all, everyone was happy. The factories, here and there in the various cities which turned out the pieces, they made their profits. The wholesalers passed them on, and the dealers displayed and advertised them. The collectors shelled out their money and carried their purchases happily home, to impress their associates, friends, and mistresses. Like post-war boodle paper money, it was fine until questioned. Nobody was hurt until the day of reckoning. And then everyone equally would be ruined. But meanwhile, nobody talked about it. Even the men who earned their living turning out the forgeries, they shut their own minds to what they made, kept their attention on the mere technical problems. How long since you tried to do original designing? McCarthy asked. Frink shrugged. Years. I can copy accurately as hell, but... You know what I think? I think you've picked up the Nazi idea that Jews can't create. That they can only imitate and sell. Middlemen. He fixed his merciless scrutiny on Frink. Maybe so, Frink said. Try it. Do some original designs, or work directly on the metal. Play around, like a kid plays. No, Frink said. You have no faith... "'McCarthy said. "'You've completely lost faith in yourself, right? "'Too bad, because I know you could do it.' "'He walked away from the workbench. "'It is too bad,' Frank thought. "'But nevertheless, it's the truth. "'It's a fact. "'I can't get faith or enthusiasm by willing it, deciding to. "'That McCarthy,' he thought, "'is a damn good shop foreman. "'He has the knack of needling a man, "'getting him to put out his best efforts "'to do his utmost in spite of himself.' He's a natural leader. He almost inspired me for a moment there. But McCarthy had gone off now. The effort had failed. Too bad I don't have my copy of the Oracle here, Frink thought. I could consult it on this, take the issue to it for his five thousand years of wisdom. And then he recalled that there was a copy of the I Ching in the lounge of the business office of W.M. Corporation. So he made his way from the work area, along the corridor, hurriedly through the business office to the lounge. Seated in one of the chrome and plastic lounge chairs, he wrote his question out on the back of an envelope. Should I attempt to go into the creative private business outlined to me just now? And then he began throwing the coins. The bottom line was a seven, and so was the second, and then the third. The bottom trigram in chien, he realized. That sounded good. Chien was the creative. Then line four, an eight, yin, and line five, also eight, a yin line. "'Good Lord,' he thought excitedly. "'One more yin line, and I've got hexagram eleven. Tai, Peace. "'Very favorable judgment.' "'Or,' his hands trembled as he rattled the coins, "'a yang line, and hence hexagram twenty-six. "'Ta-chu, the taming power of the great. "'Both have favorable judgments, and it has to be one or the other.' "'He threw the three coins. "'Yin. A six. It was peace. "'Opening the book, he read the judgment.' Peace, the small departs, the great approaches, good fortune, success. So I ought to do as Ed McCarthy says, open my little business. Now the six at the top, my one moving line, he turned the page. What was the text? He could not recall, probably favorable because the hexagram itself was so favorable. Union of heaven and earth. But the first and last lines were outside the hexagram always, so possibly the six at the top. His eyes picked out the line read it in a flash. The wall falls back into the moat. Use no army now. Make your commands known within your own town. Perseverance brings humiliation. My busted back, he exclaimed, horrified. And the commentary. The change alluded to in the middle of the hexagram has begun to take place. The wall of the town sinks back into the moat from which it was dug. The hour of doom is at hand. It was, beyond doubt, one of the most dismal lines in the entire book, of more than three thousand lines. And yet the judgment of the hexagram was good. Which was he supposed to follow? And how could they be so different? It had never happened to him before. Good fortune and doom mixed together in the oracle's prophecy. What a weird fate, as if the oracle had scraped the bottom of the barrel, tossed up every sort of rag, bone, and turd of the dark, then reversed itself and poured in the light like a cook gone barmy. I must have pressed two buttons at once, he decided. Jammed the works and got this Schlamazel's Eye view of reality. Just for a second, fortunately. didn't last. Hell, he thought, it has to be one or the other. It can't be both. You can't have good fortune and doom simultaneously. Or can you? The jewelry business will bring good fortune. The judgment refers to that. But the line, the goddamn line, it refers to something deeper. Some future catastrophe, probably not even connected with the jewelry business. Some evil fate that's in store for me, anyhow. War, he thought. Third World War. All frigging two billion of us killed. Our civilization wiped out. Hydrogen bombs falling like hail. Like a vault, he thought. What's happening? Did I start it in motion? Or is someone else tinkering? Someone I don't even know? Or... the whole lot of us? It's the fault of those physicists and that synchronicity theory, every particle being connected with every other. You can't fart without changing the balance in the universe. It makes living a funny joke with nobody around to laugh. I open a book and get a report on future events that even God would like to file and forget. And who am I? The wrong person, I can tell you that. I should take my tools, get my motors from McCarthy, open my shop, start my piddling business, go on despite the horrible line. Be working, creating in my own way, right up to the end, living as best I can, as actively as possible, until the wall falls back into the moat for all of us, all mankind. That's what the oracle is telling me. Fate will pull us eventually, anyhow. But I have my job in the meantime. I must use my mind, my hands. The judgment was for me alone, for my work. But the line, it was for us all. I'm too small, he thought. I can only read what's written glance up, and then lower my head and plod along where I left off, as if I hadn't seen. The oracle doesn't expect me to start running up and down the streets, squalling and yammering for public attention. Can anyone alter it? He wondered. All of us combined, or one great figure, or someone strategically placed, who happens to be in the right spot. Chance. Accident. And our lives, our world, hanging on it. Closing the book, he left the lounge and walked back to the main work area. When he caught sight of McCarthy, he waved him over to one side, where they could resume talk. The more I think about it, Frink said, the more I like your idea. Fine, McCarthy said. Now listen, here's what you do. You have to get money from Wyndham Matson. He winked, a slow, intense, frightened twitch of his eyelid. I figured out how. I'm going to quit and go in with you. My design, see? What's wrong with that? I know they're good sure frank said a little dazed i'll see you after work tonight mccarthy said at my apartment you come over around seven and have dinner with Jean and me if you can stand the kids okay frank said mccarthy gave him a slap on the shoulder and went off i've gone a long way frank said to himself in the last ten minutes but he did not feel apprehensive he felt now excitement It sure happened fast, he thought as he walked over to his bench and began collecting his tools. I guess that's how those kinds of things happen. Opportunity when it comes. All my life I've waited for this. When the oracle says something must be achieved, it means this. The time is truly great. What is the time now? What is this moment? Six at the top in hexagram eleven changes everything to twenty-six. Taming power of the great. Yin becomes yang. The line moves and a new moment appears. "'and I was so off-stride I didn't even notice. "'I'll bet that's why I got that terrible line. "'That's the only way hexagram 11 can change to hexagram 26 "'by that moving six at the top. "'So I shouldn't get my ass in such an uproar. "'But despite his excitement and optimism, "'he could not get the line completely out of his mind. "'However,' he thought ironically, "'I'm making a damn good try. "'By seven tonight, maybe I'll have managed to forget it "'like it never happened.' "'He thought, I sure hope so.' because this get-together with Ed is big. He's got some surefire idea, I can tell, and I don't intend to find myself left out. Right now I'm nothing, but if I can swing this, then maybe I can get Juliana back. I know what she wants. She deserves to be married to a man who matters, an important person in the community, not some machugana. Men used to be men in the old days, before the war, for instance, but all that's gone now. No wonder she roams around from place to place, from man to man, seeking, and not even knowing what it is herself, what her biology needs. But I know, and through this big-time action with McCarthy, whatever it is, I'm going to achieve it for her. At lunchtime, Robert Shilden closed up American Artistic Handcrafts, Inc. Usually he crossed the street and ate at the coffee shop. In any case, he stayed away no more than half an hour, and today he was gone only twenty minutes. "'Memory of his ordeal with Mr. Tagomi and the staff of the trade mission "'still kept his stomach upset. "'As he returned to his store, he said to himself, "'Perhaps new policy of not making calls. "'Do all business within store. Two hours showing, much too long, almost four hours in all, "'too late to reopen store. "'An entire afternoon to sell one item, one Mickey Mouse watch, "'expensive treasure, but... "'He unlocked the store door, propped it open, "'went to hang up his coat in the rear.' When he re-emerged, he found that he had a customer, a white man. Well, he thought, surprise. Good day, sir, Sheldon said, bowing slightly. Probably a pinnock, slender, rather dark man, well-dressed, fashionable, but not at ease, slight shine of perspiration. Good day, the man murmured, moving around the store to inspect the displays. Then, all at once, he approached the counter. He reached into his coat produced a small, shiny leather card case, set down a multicolored, elaborately printed card. On the card, the imperial emblem and military insignia. The Navy, Admiral Harusha. Robert Sheldon examined it, impressed. The Admiral's ship, the customer explained, lies in San Francisco Bay at this moment. The carrier, Siokaku. Ah, Sheldon said. Admiral Harusha has never before visited the West Coast. "'the customer explained. "'He has many wishes while here, "'one of which is to pay personal visit to your famous store. "'All the time in the home islands "'he has heard of American Artistic Handcrafts, Incorporated.' "'Shulden bowed with delight. "'However,' the man continued, "'due to pressure of appointments, "'the Admiral cannot pay personal visit to your esteemed store, "'but he has sent me. "'I am his gentleman.' "'The Admiral is a collector?' Sheldon said, his mind working at top speed.' "'He is a lover of the arts, he is a connoisseur, but not a collector. "'What he desires is for gift purposes, to wit. "'He wishes to present each officer of his ship a valuable historic artifact, "'a sidearm of the epic American Civil War.' "'The man paused. "'There are twelve officers in all.' "'To himself, children thought, twelve Civil War sidearms. "'Cost to buyer almost ten thousand dollars.' "'He trembled. "'As is well known,' the man continued. Your shop sells such priceless antique artifacts from the pages of American history, alas, all too rapidly vanishing into limbo of time. Taking enormous care in his words, he could not afford to lose this, to make one single slip. Sheldon said, Yes, it is true. Of all the stores in P.S.A., I possess finest stock imaginable of Civil War weapons. I will be happy to serve Admiral Hirusha, "'Shall I gather a superb collection of such and bring aboard the Siokaku? "'This afternoon, possibly?' "'The man said, "'No, I shall inspect them here.' Twelve, Children computed. "'He did not possess twelve. In fact, he had only three. "'But he could acquire twelve, if luck were with him, "'through various channels within the week, "'air express from the east, for instance, and local wholesale contacts. "'You, sir,' Children said, "'are knowledgeable in such weapons?' "'Tolerably,' the man said. "'I have a small collection of hand weapons, "'including tiny secret pistol made to look like Domino, circa 1840.' "'Exquisite item,' Children said, "'as he went to the locked safe to get several guns "'for Admiral Harush's gentleman's inspection.' "'When he returned, he found the man writing out a bank check. "'The man paused and said, "'The Admiral desires to pay in advance, "'a deposit of fifteen thousand PSA dollars.' The room swam before children's eyes, but he managed to keep his voice level. He even made himself sound a trifle bored. If you wish, it is not necessary, a mere formality of business. Laying down a leather and felt box, he said, Here is exceptional Colt 44 of 1860. He opened the box. Black powder and ball. This issued to U.S. Army. Boys in blue carried this into, for instance, Second Bull Run. For a considerable time the man examined the Colt forty-four. Then, lifting his eyes, he said calmly, Sir, this is an imitation. Eh? Sheldon said, not comprehending. This piece is no older than six months. Sir, your offering is a fake. I am cast into gloom. But see, the wood here, artificially aged by an acid chemical, what a shame. He laid the gun down. Children picked the gun up and stood holding it between his hands. He could think of nothing to say. Turning the gun over and over, he said at last, "'It can't be.' "'An imitation of the authentic historic gun. Nothing more. I am afraid, sir, you have been deceived, perhaps by some unscrupulous churl. You must report this to the San Francisco police.' The man bowed. "'It grieves me. You may have other imitations, too, in your shop.' Is it possible, sir, that you, the owner, dealer in such items, cannot distinguish the forgeries from the real? There was silence. Reaching down, the man picked up the half-completed check which he had been making out. He returned it to his pocket, put his pen away, and bowed. It is a shame, sir, but I clearly cannot, alas, conduct my business with American Artistic Handcrafts, Incorporated. After all, Admiral Harusho will be disappointed. Nevertheless, you can see my position.' Shildan stared down at the gun. "'Good day, sir,' the man said. "'Please accept my humbly-meant advice. Hire some expert to scrutinize your acquisitions. Your reputation—I am sure you understand,' Shildan mumbled. "'Sir, if you could please—' "'Be tranquil, sir. I will not mention this to anyone. I shall tell the Admiral that, unfortunately, your shop was closed today. After all—' The man paused at the doorway. We are both, after all, white men. Bowing once more, he departed. Alone, Sheldon stood holding the gun. It can't be, he thought. But it must be. Good God in heaven, I am ruined. I have lost a fifteen thousand dollar sale. And my reputation, if this gets out, if that man, Admiral Horusha's gentleman, is not discreet. I will kill myself, he decided. I have lost place. I cannot go on. That is a fact. On the other hand, perhaps that man erred. Perhaps he lied. He was sent by United States Historic Objects to destroy me, or by West Coast art exclusives. Anyhow, one of my competitors. The gun is no doubt genuine. How can I find out? Children racked his brains. Ah, I will have the gun analyzed at the University of California Penology Department." I know someone there, or at least I once did. This matter came up before once. Alleged non-authenticity of ancient breech-loader. In haste, he telephoned one of the city's bonded messenger and delivery services, told them to send a man over at once. Then he wrapped the gun and wrote out a note to the university lab, telling them to make professional estimate of the gun's age at once and inform him by phone. The delivery man arrived. Shilden gave him the note and parcel, the address, and told him to go by helicopter. The man departed, and Childen began pacing about his store, waiting, waiting. At three o'clock, the university called. Mr. Childen, the voice said, you wanted this weapon tested for authenticity, this 1860 Army model Colt 44. A pause while Childen gripped the phone with apprehension. Here's the lab report. It's a reproduction cast from plastic molds except for the walnut. Serial numbers all wrong the frame not case-hardened by the cyanide process. Both brown and blue surfaces, achieved by a modern quick-acting technique, the whole gun artificially aged, given a treatment to make it appear old and worn. Children said thickly, The man who brought it to me for appraisal... Tell him he's been taken, the university technician said, and very taken. It's a good job, done by a real pro. See, the authentic gun was given its, you know, the blue metal parts... Those were put in a box of leather strips, sealed with cyanide gas and heated. Too cumbersome nowadays. But this was done in a fairly well-equipped shop. We detected particles of several polishing and finishing compounds, some quite unusual. Now, we can't prove this, but we know there's a regular industry turning out these fakes. There must be. We've seen so many. No, Childen said. That is only a rumor. I can state that to you as absolute fact, sir. His voice rose and broke screechingly. And I am in a position to know. Why do you think I sent it to you? I could perceive its fakery being qualified by years of training. Such as this is a rarity, an oddity. Actually, a joke, a prank. He broke off, panting. Thank you for confirming my own observations. You will bill me. Thank you. He rang off at once. Then, without pausing, he got out his records. He began tracing the gun. How had it come to him? From whom? It did come, he discovered, from one of the largest wholesale suppliers in San Francisco, Ray Calvin Associates on Van Ness. At once he phoned them. Let me talk to Mr. Calvin, he said. His voice had now become a trifle steadier. Presently a gruff voice, very busy. Yes? This is Bob Childen at A.A.H. Inc. on Montgomery. Ray, I have a matter of delicacy. I wish to see you, private conference, sometime today in your office, or etc. Believe me, sir, you had better heed my request. Now he discovered he was bellowing into the phone. Okay, Ray Calvin said. Tell no one. This is absolutely confidential. Four o'clock. For it is, Children said, at your office. Good day. He slammed the receiver down so furiously that the entire phone fell from the counter to the floor, Kneeling, he gathered it up and replaced it in its spot. There was half an hour ahead before he should start. He had all that time to pace, helpless, waiting. What to do? An idea. He phoned the San Francisco office of the Tokyo Herald on Market Street. Sirs, he said, please tell me if the carrier Siakaku is in the harbor, and if so, how long. I would appreciate this information from your estimable newspaper. An agonizing wait. Then the girl was back. According to our reference room, sir, she said in a giggling voice, the Karyos Yokoku is at the bottom of the Philippine Sea. It was sunk by an American submarine in 1945. Any more questions we can help you with, sir? Obviously they, at the newspaper office, appreciated the wild goose variety of prank that had been played on him. He hung up. No Karyos Yokoku for seventeen years. Probably no Admiral Harusha. The man had been an imposter. And yet... The man had been right. The Colt 44 was a fake. It did not make sense. Perhaps the man was a speculator. He had been trying to corner the market in Civil War period sidearms. An expert. And he had recognized the fake. He was the professional of professionals. It would take a professional to know. Someone in the business. Not a mere collector. Children felt a tiny measure of relief. Then few others would detect. Perhaps no one else. Secret safe. Let matter drop? He considered. No, must investigate. First of all, get back investment, get reimbursement from Ray Calvin, and must have all other artifacts in stock examined by university lab. But suppose many of them are non-authentic. Difficult matter. Only way is this, he decided. He felt grim, even desperate. Go to Ray Calvin. Confront him. Insist that he pursue matter back to source. Maybe he is innocent, too. Maybe not. In any case, tell him no more fakes, or I will not buy through him ever again. He will have to absorb the loss, Children decided. Not I. If he will not, then I will approach other retail dealers, tell them, ruin his reputation. Why should I be ruined alone? Pass it on to those responsible. Hand hot potato back along line. But it must be done with utmost secrecy. Keep matters strictly between ourselves. CHAPTER FIVE The telephone call from Ray Calvin puzzled Wyndham Matson. He could not make sense out of it, partly because of Calvin's rapid manner of speech, and partly because at the moment the call came, 11.30 in the evening, Wyndham Matson was entertaining a lady visitor in his apartment at the Miramachi Hotel. Calvin said, "'Look here, my friend, we're sending back that whole last shipment from you people, and I'd send back stuff before that, but we've paid for everything except the last shipment.' Your billing date, May 18th. Naturally, Wyndham Matson wanted to know why. They're lousy fakes, Calvin said. But you knew that. He was dumbfounded. I mean, Ray, you've always been aware of the situation. He glanced around. The girl was off somewhere, probably in the powder room. Calvin said, I knew they were fakes. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the lousy part. Look, I'm really not concerned whether some gun you sent us really was used in the Civil War or not. All I care about is that it's a satisfactory Colt 44 item whatever it is in your catalog. It has to meet standards. Look, do you know who Robert Sheldon is? Yes. He had a vague memory, although at the moment he could not quite pin the name down. Somebody important. He was in here today, to my office. I'm calling from my office, not home. We're still going over it. Anyhow, he came in and rattled off some long account. He was mad as hell, really agitated. Well, evidently some big customer of his, some Jap admiral, came in or had his man come in. Chilton talked about a $20,000 order, but that's probably an exaggeration. Anyhow, what did happen, I have no cause to doubt this part, is that the Japanese came in, wanted to buy, took one look at one of those Colt 44 items you people turn out, saw it to be a fake, put his money back in his pants pocket and left. Now, what do you say? There was nothing that Wyndham Matson could think of to say. But he thought to himself instantly, it's Frank and McCarthy. They said they'd do something, and this is it. But he could not figure out what they had done. He could not make sense out of Calvin's account. A kind of superstitious fright filled him. Those two, how could they doctor an item made last February? He had presumed they would go to the police or the newspapers or even the Pinnock government at SAC. And, of course, he had all those taken care of. Eerie. He did not know what to tell Calvin. He mumbled on for what seemed an endless time, and at last managed to wind up the conversation and get off the phone. When he hung up, he realized with a start that Rita had come out of the bathroom and had listened to the whole conversation. She had been pacing irritably back and forth, wearing only a black silk slip, her blonde hair falling loosely over her bare, slightly freckled shoulders. Tell the police, she said. Well, he thought, it probably would be cheaper to offer them two thousand or so. They'd accept it. That was probably all they wanted. Little fellows like that thought small. To them it would seem like a lot. They'd put in their new business, lose it, be broke again inside a month. No, he said. Why not? Blackmail's a crime. It was hard to explain to her. He was accustomed to paying people. It was part of the overhead, like the utilities. If the sum was small enough. But she did have a point. He molded over I'll give them 2000 but I'll also get in touch with that guy at the Civic Center I know, that police inspector. I'll have them look into both Frink and McCarthy and see if there's anything of use. So if they come back and try again, I'll be able to handle them. For instance, he thought, somebody told me Frink's a kike. Changed his nose and name. All I have to do is notify the German consul here. Routine business. He'll request the Jap authorities for extradition. They'll gas the bugger as soon as they get him across the demarcation line. I think they've got one of those camps in New York, he thought, those oven camps. I'm surprised, the girl said, that anyone could blackmail a man of your stature. She eyed him. Well, I'll tell you, he said. This whole damn historicity business is nonsense. Those Japs are bats. I'll prove it. Getting up, he hurried into his study, returned at once with two cigarette lighters, which he set down on the coffee table. Look at these. Look the same, don't they? Well, listen, one has historicity in it. He grinned at her. Pick them up. Go ahead. One's worth, though, maybe forty or fifty thousand dollars on the collector's market. The girl gingerly picked up the two lighters and examined them. Don't you feel it? He kidded her. The historicity? She said. What is historicity? When the thing has history in it. "'Listen, one of those two Zippo lighters was in Franklin D. Roosevelt's pocket "'when he was assassinated, and one wasn't. "'One has historicity, a hell of a lot of it, as much as any object ever had. "'And one has nothing. "'Can you feel it?' he nudged her. "'You can't. You can't tell which is which. "'There's no mystical plasmic presence, no aura around it.' "'Gee,' the girl said, awed. "'Is that really true?' that he had one of those on him that day? Sure, and I know which it is. You see my point. It's all a big racket. They're playing it on themselves. I mean, a gun goes through a famous battle, like the Meuse-Argonne, and it's the same as if it hadn't, unless you know. It's in here, he tapped his head. In the mind, not the gun. I used to be a collector. In fact, that's how I got into this business. I collected stamps, early British colonies.' The girl now stood at the window, her arms folded, gazing out at the lights of downtown San Francisco. My mother and dad used to say we wouldn't have lost the war if he had lived, she said. Okay, Wyndham Manson went on. Now suppose, say, last year the Canadian government or somebody, anybody, finds the plates from which some old stamp was printed, and the ink, and a supply of... I don't believe either of those two lighters belonged to Franklin Roosevelt, the girl said. Wyndham Matson giggled. "'That's my point. I'd have to prove it to you with some sort of document, a paper of authenticity. And so it's all a fake, a mass delusion. The paper proves its worth, not the object itself.' "'Show me the paper.' "'Sure.' Hopping up, he made his way back into the study. From the wall, he took the Smithsonian Institution's framed certificate. The paper and the lighter had cost him a fortune, but they were worth it, because they enabled him to prove that he was right.' that the word fake meant nothing really, since the word authentic meant nothing really. A Colt 44 is a Colt 44, he called to the girl as he hurried back into the living room. It has to do with bore and design, not when it was made. It has to do with... She held out her hand. He gave her the document. So it is genuine, she said finally. Yes, this one. He picked up the lighter with a long scratch across its side. I think I'd like to go now, the girl said. I'll see you again some other evening. She set down the document and lighter and moved toward the bedroom where her clothes were. Why? he shouted in agitation, following after her. You know it's perfectly safe. My wife won't be back for weeks. I explained the whole situation to you. A detached retina. It's not that. What then? Rita said. Please call a pedicab for me while I dress. I'll drive you home, he said grumpily. She dressed, and then, while he got her coat from the closet, she wandered silently about the apartment. She seemed pensive, withdrawn, even a little depressed. The past makes people sad, he realized. Damn it, why did I have to bring it up? But hell, she's so young. I thought she'd hardly know the name. At the bookcase she knelt. Did you read this? she asked, taking a book out. Nearsightedly, he peered. Lurid cover. Novel. No, he said. My wife got that. She reads a lot. You should read it. Still feeling disappointed, he grabbed the book, glanced at it. The Grasshopper Lies Heavy. Isn't this one of those banned-in-Boston books? he said. Banned through the United States, and in Europe, of course. She had gone to the hall door and stood there now, waiting... I have heard of this Hawthorne Evanson, but actually he had not. All he could recall about the book was, what, that it was very popular right now, another fad, another mass craze. He bent down and stuck it back on the shelf. I don't have time to read popular fiction. I'm too busy with work. Secretaries, he thought acidly, read that junk at home alone in bed at night. It stimulates them, instead of the real thing, which they're afraid of, but of course really crave. One of those love stories, he said as he sullenly opened the hall door. No, she said, a story about war. As they walked down the hall to the elevator, she said, He says the same thing as my mother and dad. Who? That Abbottson? That's his theory. If Joe Zangara had missed him, he would have pulled America out of the Depression and armed it so that... She broke off. They arrived at the elevator, and other people were waiting. Later, as they drove through the nocturnal traffic in Wyndham-Matson's Mercedes-Benz, she resumed. Abenson's theory is that Roosevelt would have been a terribly strong president, as strong as Lincoln. He showed it in the year he was president, all those measures he introduced. The book is fiction. I mean, it's in novel form. Roosevelt isn't assassinated in Miami. He goes on and is re-elected in 1936, so he's president until 1940 until during the war. Don't you see? He's still president when Germany attacks England and France and Poland. And he sees all that. He makes America strong. Garner was a really awful president. A lot of what happened was his fault. And then in 1940, instead of Bricker, a Democrat would have been elected. According to this, Abelson, Wyndham Metzen broke in. He glanced at the girl beside him. God, they read a book, he thought, and they spout on forever. His theory is that instead of an isolationist like Bricker, in 1940, after Roosevelt, Rexford Tugwell would have been president. Her smooth face, reflecting the traffic lights, glowed with animation. Her eyes had become large, and she gestured as she talked. And he would have been very active in continuing the Roosevelt anti-Nazi policies. So Germany would have been afraid to come to Japan's help in 1941. They would not have honored their treaty, do you see? Turning toward him on the seat, grabbing his shoulder with intensity, she said, And so Germany and Japan would have lost the war. He laughed. Staring at him, seeking something in his face, he could not tell what, and anyhow he had to watch the other cars. She said, It's not funny. It really would have been like that. The U.S. would have been able to lick the Japanese. And how? He broke in. He has it all laid out. For a moment she was silent. "'It's in fiction form,' she said. "'Naturally, it's got a lot of fictional parts. "'I mean, it's got to be entertaining or people wouldn't read it. "'It has a human interest theme. "'They're these two young people, the boys in the American army, the girl. "'Well, anyhow, President Tugwell is really smart. "'He understands what the Japs are going to do.' "'Anxiously,' she said. "'It's all right to talk about this. "'The Japs have let it be circulated in the Pacific.' I read that a lot of them are reading it. It's popular in the home islands. It stirred up a lot of talk. Wyndham Matson said, Listen, what does he say about Pearl Harbor? President Tugwell is so smart that he has all the ships out to sea, so the U.S. fleet isn't destroyed. I see. So there really isn't any Pearl Harbor. They attack, but all they get is some little boats. It's called the Grasshopper something? The Grasshopper Lies Heavy. That's a quote from the Bible. And Japan is defeated because there's no Pearl Harbor. Listen, Japan would have won anyhow, even if there had been no Pearl Harbor. The U.S. fleet, in his book, keeps them from taking the Philippines and Australia. They would have taken them anyhow. Their fleet was superior. I know the Japanese fairly well, and it was their destiny to assume dominance in the Pacific. The U.S. was on the decline ever since World War I. Every country on the Allied side was ruined in that war, morally and spiritually. With stubbornness, the girl said, And if the Germans hadn't taken Malta, Churchill would have stayed in power and guided England to victory. How? Where? In North Africa. Churchill would have defeated Rommel, finally. Wyndham Matson guffawed. And once the British had defeated Rommel they could move their whole army back and up through Turkey to join remnants of Russian armies and make a stand. In the book, they halt the Germans eastward advance into Russia at some town on the Volga. We never heard of this town, but it really exists because I looked it up in the Atlas. What's it called? Stalingrad. And the British turned the tide of the war there. So in the book, Rommel never would have linked up with those German armies that came down from Russia, von Paulus's armies, remember? And the Germans never would have been able to go on into the Middle East and get the needed oil, or go into India like they did and link up with the Japanese. And no strategy on earth could have defeated Erwin Rommel, Wyndham Matson stated. And no events like this guy dreamed up, this town in Russia very heroically called Stalingrad, no holding action could have done any more than delay the outcome. It couldn't have changed it. Listen, I met Rommel in New York when I was there on business in 1948. Actually, he had only seen the military governor of the USA at a reception in the White House, and at a distance. What a man! What dignity and bearing! So I know what I'm talking about, he wound up. It was a dreadful thing, Rita said, when General Rommel was relieved of his post and that awful Lammers was appointed in his place. That's when that murdering in those concentration camps really began. They existed when Rommel was military governor, but, she gestured, it wasn't official. Maybe those S.S. hoodlums did those acts then. But he wasn't like the rest of them. He was more like those old Prussians. He was harsh. I'll tell you who really did a good job in the U.S.A., Wyndham Matson said. Who you can look to for the economic revival. Albert Speer. Not Rommel, and not the organization Tot. Speer was the best appointment the part I made in North America. He got all those businesses and corporations and factories... "'Everything going again, and on an efficient basis. "'I wish we had that out here. "'As it is, we've got five outfits competing in each field, "'and a terrific waste. "'There's nothing more foolish than economic competition.' Rita said, "'I couldn't live in those work camps, "'those dorms they have back east. "'A girlfriend of mine, she lived there. "'They censored her mail. "'She couldn't tell me about it until she moved back out here again. "'They had to get up at 6.30 in the morning to band music.' You'd get used to it. You'd have clean quarters, adequate food, recreation, medical care provided. What do you want, egg in your beer? Through the cool night fog of San Francisco, his big German-made car moved quietly. On the floor, Mr. Tagomi sat, his legs folded beneath him. He held a handleless cup of oolong tea, into which he blew now and then as he smiled up at Mr. Baines. "'You have a lovely place here,' Baines said presently. "'There is a peacefulness here on the Pacific coast. "'It is completely different from... back there.' "'He did not specify. "'God speaks to man in the sign of the arousing,' Mr. Tagomi murmured. "'Pardon?' "'The Oracle. I'm sorry. free seeking cortical response.' "'Wool-gathering,' Baines thought. "'That's the idiom he means.' To himself he smiled. We are absurd, Mr. Togami said, because we live by a five-thousand-year-old book. We set it questions, as if it were alive. It is alive, as is the Christian Bible. Many books are actually alive, not in metaphoric fashion. Spirit animates it. Do you see? He inspected Mr. Bane's face for his reaction. Carefully phrasing his words, Bain said, I just don't know enough about religion. It's out of my field. I prefer to stick to subjects I have some competence in. As a matter of fact, he was not certain what Mr. Tagomi was talking about. I must be tired, Mr. Baines thought. There has been, since I got here this evening, a sort of gnomish quality about everything a smaller than life quality, the dash of the droll. What is this 5,000 year old book? The Mickey Mouse Watch, Mr. Tagomi himself, "'the fragile cup in Mr. Togomi's hand, "'and on the wall facing Mr. Baines "'an enormous buffalo head, ugly and menacing. "'What is that head?' he asked suddenly. "'That,' Mr. Togomi said, "'is nothing less than creature which sustained the aboriginal in bygone days. "'I see. "'Shall I demonstrate art of buffalo slaying?' "'Mr. Togomi put his cup down on the table and rose to his feet.' here in his own home in the evening he wore a silk robe, slippers and white cravat here I am aboard Iron Horse he squatted in the air a cross-lap, crusted Winchester rifle, 1866 issue from my collection he glanced inquiringly at Mr. Baines you are Clevelstain, sir afraid so, Baines said it is all a little overwhelming for me a lot of business worries and other worries, he thought his head ached. He wondered if the fine Ig. Farben analgesics were available here on the Pacific coast. He had become accustomed to them for his sinus headaches. "'We must all have faith in something,' Mr. Tagomi said. "'We cannot know the answers. We cannot see ahead on our own.' Mr. Baines nodded. "'My wife may have something for your head,' Mr. Tagomi said, seeing him remove his glasses and rub his forehead." "'Eye muscles causing pain. Pardon me.' "'Bowing, he left the room. "'What I need is sleep,' Baines thought, "'or a night's rest. "'Or is it that I'm not facing the situation, "'shrinking because it is hard?' "'When Mr. Togomi returned, "'carrying a glass of water and some sort of pill, "'Mr. Baines said, "'I really am going to have to say good night "'and get to my hotel room, "'but I want to find out something first.' We can discuss it further tomorrow, if that's convenient with you Have you been told about a third party who is to join us in our discussions? Mr. Togomi's face registered surprise for an instant Then the surprise vanished, and he assumed a careless expression There was nothing said to that effect However, it is interesting, of course From the home islands Ah, Mr. Togomi said And this time the surprise did not appear at all It was totally controlled An elderly retired businessman, Mr. Baines said, who is journeying by ship. He has been on his way for two weeks now. He has a prejudice against air travel. The quaint elderly, Mr. Takomi said. His interests keep him informed as to the home islands markets. He will be able to give us information, and he was coming to San Francisco for a vacation in any case. It is not terribly important, but it will make our talks more accurate. Yes. Mr tokomi said he can correct errors regarding home market i have been away 2 years did you want to give me that pill starting mr Togomi glanced down saw that he still held the pill and water excuse me this is powerful called zaracaine manufactured by a drug firm in the district of china as he held his palm out he added non-habit forming this old person Mr. Baines said as he prepared to take the pill. We'll probably contact your trade mission direct. I will write down his name so that your people will know not to turn him away. I have not met him, but I understand he's a little deaf and a little eccentric. We want to be sure he doesn't become... miffed. Mr. Tagomi seemed to understand. He loves rhododendrons. He'll be happy if you can provide someone to talk to him about them for half an hour or so while we arrange our meeting. His name. I will write it down. Taking his pill, he got out his pen and wrote. Mr. Shinjiro Yatabi, Mr. Tagomi read, accepting the slip of paper. He dutifully put it away in his pocketbook. One more point. Mr. Tagomi slowly picked at the rim of his cup, listening. A delicate trifle. The old gentleman... It is embarrassing. He is almost eighty... Some of his ventures toward the end of his career were not successful. Do you see? He is not well off any longer, Mr. Togomi said, and perhaps he draws a pension. That is it, and the pension is painfully small. He therefore augments it by means here and there. A violation of some petty ordinance, Mr. Togomi said. The Home Government and its bureaucratic officialdom, I grasp the situation. "'The old gentleman receives a stipend for his consultation with us, "'and he does not report it to his pension board. "'So we must not reveal his visit. "'They are only aware that he takes a vacation.' "'You are a sophisticate,' Mr. Baines said. "'Mr. Togomi said, "'This situation has occurred before. "'We have not in our society solved the problem of the aged, "'more of which persons occur constantly as medical measures improve. "'China teaches us rightly to honour the old.' However, the Germans cause our neglect to seem close to outright virtue. I understand they murder the old... The Germans, Baines murmured, again rubbing his forehead. Had the pill had an effect, he felt a little drowsy. Being from Scandinavia, you no doubt have had much contact with Festung Europa. For instance, you embarked at Tempelhof. Can one take an attitude like this? You are a neutral. Give me your opinion, if you will. I don't understand what attitude you mean, Mr Baines said. Toward the old, the sick, the feeble, the insane, the useless in all variations of what use is a new-born baby, some Anglo-Saxon philosopher reputedly asked. I have committed that utterance to memory and contemplated it many times. Sir, there is no use in general. Mr Baines murmured some sound or other. He made it the noise of a non-committal politeness. Isn't it true, Mr. Togomi said, that no man should be the instrument for a needs? He leaned forward urgently. Please give me your neutral Scandinavian opinion. I don't know, Mr. Bain said. During the war, Mr. Togomi said, I held minor post in District of China, in Shanghai. There, at Hangqiu, a settlement of Jews, interned by imperial government for duration, kept alive by joint relief. The Nazi minister at Shanghai requested we massacre the Jews. I recall my superior's answer. It was, such is not in accord with humanitarian considerations. They rejected the request as barbaric. It impressed me. I see, Mr. Baines murmured. Is he trying to draw me out? He asked himself. Now he felt alert. His wits seemed to come together. The Jews, Mr. Tagomi said were described always by the Nazis as Asian and non-white. Sir, the implication was never lost on personages in Japan, even among the war cabinet. I have not ever discussed this with Reich citizens whom I have encountered, Mr. Baines interrupted. Well, I'm not a German, so I can hardly speak for Germany. Standing, he moved toward the door. I will resume the discussion with you tomorrow. Please excuse me, I cannot think. But as a matter of fact, his thoughts were now completely clear. I have to get out of here, he realized. This man is pushing me too far. Forgive stupidity of fanaticism, Mr. Tagomi said, at once moving to open the door. Philosophical involvement blinded me to authentic human fact. Here. He called something in Japanese, and the front door opened. A young Japanese appeared, bowing slightly, glancing at Mr. Baines. My driver, Mr. Baines thought. "'Perhaps my quixotic remarks on the Lufthansa flight,' he thought suddenly. "'To that, whatever his name was, Lotse, got back to the Japanese here somehow, some connection. "'I wish I hadn't said that to Lotse,' he thought. "'I regret, but it's too late. "'I am not the right person, not at all, not for this.' "'But then he thought, a Swede would say that to Lotse. "'It is all right. "'Nothing has gone wrong. "'I am being overly scrupulous.' carrying the habits of the previous situation into this. Actually, I can do a good deal of open talking. That is the fact I have to adapt to. And yet his conditioning was absolutely against it. The blood in his veins, his bones, his organs rebelled. Open your mouth, he said to himself. Something, anything, an opinion. You must, if you are to succeed. He said, Perhaps they are driven by some desperate subconscious archetype, in the Jungian sense. Mr. Tagomi nodded. I have read young. I understand. They shook hands. I'll telephone you tomorrow morning, Mr. Baines said. Good night, sir. He bowed, and so did Mr. Togomi. The young, smiling Japanese, stepping forward, said something to Mr. Baines which he could not understand. Eh? Baines said, as he gathered up his overcoat and stepped out onto the porch. Mr. Togomi said... He is addressing you in Swedish, sir. He has taken a course at Tokyo University on the Thirty Years' War, and is fascinated by your great hero, Gustavus Adolphus. Mr. Togomi smiled sympathetically. However, it is plain that his attempts to master so alien a linguistic have been hopeless. No doubt he uses one of those phonograph record courses. He is a student, and such courses, being cheap, are quite popular with students.' The young Japanese, obviously not understanding English, bowed and smiled. "'I see,' Baines murmured. "'Well, I wish him luck.' "'I have my own linguistic problems,' he thought, evidently. "'Good Lord, the young Japanese student, while driving him to his hotel, "'would no doubt attempt to converse with him in Swedish the entire way, "'a language which Mr. Baines barely understood, "'and then only when it was spoken in the most formal and correct manner.' certainly not when attempted by a young Japanese who tried to pick it up from a phonograph record course. He'll never get through to me, Mr. Baines thought, and he'll keep crying because this is his chance. Probably he will never see a Swede again. Mr. Baines groaned inwardly. What an ordeal it was going to be for both of them.
3: Context of white supremacy. Victim of white supremacy, Whoopi Goldberg. She should have read this book, perhaps. Then she would have Maybe had different commentary to offer. Anywho, uh, Cal's Book Club. So that is audio segment one. Philip K. Dick, the man in the high castle. So we'll pick up uh, at the beginning of chapter... Oh, chimney crickets got uh, moved out. There we go. So we'll pick up at the beginning of chapter six. Once we're done with our commentary the number to dial is 720 716 7300 the code 564 943 pound press star 61 if you would like to participate the email again until justice at gmail.com Number is 720-716-7300. The code five six four pounds Press star 61 if you would like to participate. I will share some of the emails. Folks heard me from last week. Uh, again, we had like a total rout in terms of uh, listeners and their feedback for which book they wanted to read. It was not even close, like literally a dozen folks. Man in the High Castle, man in the High Castle. So we started last week our debut session, uh, and I was, uh, best word to describe, bummed, disgruntled uh, about the lack of participation, live participation. We didn't have colors or. Emails, we had one email that was it. I think it was just Irie. Uh, and this is the first session. Uh, so during my grousing last week, that man, it is not uh enjoyable at all. Uh, to have a robust number of listeners pick a book and then not participate like, ew, not fun at all. Uh, so folks did write in uh commentary, at least a few folks. Uh, so we'll make sure to share all of their commentary. For the week. Uh, let's see, email again is untiljustice at gmail.com if you listen to the archives, can't listen live and want to add or contribute as we proceed. Uh, so our first person who wrote in number one uh, da, da, da. being the time of this publication, I assume George Lincoln Rockwell or similar character will appear. It looks like the TV show has an airport named after him. Thank you for choosing this read. Gus T. didn't pick this one. Listeners did. I look forward to learning more as we go. I understand your frustration with the low participation. I'll try to do what I can. Thanks for all that you do. You are appreciated. That's what they say sometimes. Number one, you, sir, are of American ancestry, although you have gone to the trouble of darkening your skin. He scrutinized Mr. Ramsey, a tan achieved by a sun lamp. Mr. Ramsey murmured for merely acquiring vitamin D, but his expression of humiliation gave him away. I assure you that I retain authentic roots with, Mr. Ramsey stumbled over the words, I have not cut off all ties with native ethnic patterns. I agree that white people show no shame in tanning their skin, but made it clear that they still believe and practice white supremacy racism. Number two. As to the final, so, and I think the tanning in this context is a little different because I think the way that it's being presented here is that since there is no more white supremacy, that this might be kind of the reverse, like how non white people do all of the bleaching of our skins to mimic the people that are in power. I think that's why this white person is being accused of tanning so that he can look like he has a little bit more melanin closer to the people in charge who are non-white people so-called japanese uh... in the western u.s. i think that's the context specifically that the tanning takes on a slightly different form there uh... number two as the final solution of the african problem we have almost achieved our objectives unfortunately however still it has taken two hundred years to dispose of the american aborigines and germany has almost done it in africa in fifteen years so no criticism was legitimately in order. Children had, in fact, argued it out recently while having lunch with certain of the other merchants. They expected miracles, evidently, as if the Nazis could remove the world by magic. No, it was science and technology and that fabulous talent for hard work. The Germans never stopped applying themselves, and when they did a task, they did it right. This book, like the Turner Diaries, makes it seem as if black people can be disposed of much easier than that other race of people number three I like I will like to see if there are any black people in Nazi in the Nazi part of the country the Japanese are portrayed to embrace and imitate white American traditions including slavery Jim Crow and sundown town traditions number four this book introduces introduces the Germans as superior smarter and more forward-thinking than the Japanese Number five, Golden Poppy Stadium. Mm-mm-mm. Make sure we actually got that far. Let's see. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Let's see. Oops. Have so many books on the screen. I have to make sure I get the correct one. righty. Make sure... I think we did. Yep, we did get there. Can share that too? Number number five, Golden Poppy Stadium, the baseball park. Lots laughed. Yes, they love baseball. Incredible. They have begun work on that great structure or a pastime, an idle time-wasting sport. Uh, Golden Poppy Stadium, the baseball park. This book infantilizes the Japanese in comparison to the Germans. Absolutely. Number six, I'm not a countryman of yours, Bane said. Oh, yes, that's so. But racially, you're quite close. For all intents and purposes, the same. Lots began to stir around in his seat, getting ready to unfasten the elaborate belts. Am I racially kin to this man? Baines wondered. So closely so, that for all intents and purposes, it is the same. This exchange is the German relaying the code to Baines. This shows white people's ability to assimilate because of their skin color. After this conversation... He tries to immediately rationalize the brutality of the Germans. Hmm. That is interesting. I have to ponder about that one. I think there might be a lot of that as we kind of proceed through this book. White people who have so-called assimilated onto the powerful team, German team, white team. Uh, let's see. All right. So that's one rod in Ohio. One person. I wrote in, I'll get one more and then we'll check the phone lines. All right, so next up, dang, okay, uh, RD investor, she writes in, uh, Hi Gus, this book is an alternative universe that still promotes racism, white supremacy, don't they all? White people, Germans, are still glorified despite Japanese having quasi-powers over a section of the area called America. The Japanese are being pushed back by the Germans sounds like gentrification. The thought process about sanity was interesting. I think all the examples used by the author are correct. Racism is a system of insanity which poisons all minds and destroys bodies of non-white people. This is due to white people not caring, enjoying their status, hating nature and the Creator, and planning to continue expanding their goal of conquering the known universe. This is a very interesting look into white supremacy racism. By the way, have Germans ever been treated the way they describe the Yanks in this book? I don't believe so. I was even thinking that I think they have a number of accounts of German prisoners of war who were treated better than some Americans, certainly better than Negro citizens at that time. But yeah, I don't. I don't think they had you know any sort. Oh, we'll show you, you no know, count krauts stirring up all this trouble on the planet. And met, I don't. I don't think that happened that way. Uh, let's see. Oh, Whoopi Goldberg shaking my head. She does not know the code. Do not discuss racism at work. Anyways, as a non-white person, all I can say is VGQ victims guaranteed qualified absolutely and that whole conversation started off on book burning and book banning which is talked about right here uh, in the book we're reading currently Whoopi Goldberg's conversation I mean where she got in trouble they were talking about uh, getting rid of books in the schools uh, I'll stop there even though we have a few more emails as well let's see folks have commentary uh, to share number again seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred. 716 the code 564 nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate uh not for uh tangents give out a reminder Uh, if you have other suggestions for the book club grand uh you can share that on the compensatory call in or if you have uh, other books uh that we should check out other book clubs anything other than this here book that you all chose the man in the high castle that's all that we're talking about on this here Thursday. Uh, let's see. Uh, do, 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 do. Irie in Louisiana. Uh, if you have commentary to share, should be with us. I'll nab other hands as I see them.
2: Hello, everyone. Hotel. Um I'm a little bit late coming in, but I caught a good little bit. And listening to the book has made me acknowledge how ignorant I am of the specific uh, actions of World War Two, as far as who bombed where or invaded where at what time um, because they mentioned, uh, well, Japan went to the Philippines and so I'm like, okay, now I got to look that up to see if that's what actually happened or something else happened because I'm thinking the book is meant to be obviously, what well, we all agree on That's meant to be a reversal or a flip of if Japan and Germany won that that conflict. Um, but, you know, there may be uh, things that he mentioned in the book that actually did happen, but I wouldn't know. And it, it's, the book is pointing out the racism, white supremacy I experienced in school because there were some things that were taught with specificity and some things that weren't. And I do believe World War Two was not one of those things. I'm having trouble... Uh, I'm still learning I'm having trouble deciphering protagonists from antagonists in this book you can I think it's it's possible to have a lead character or characters that are more showcased per se but most of the time there's you know a balance that happens between two people and I'm I'm having trouble figuring out who that is really a little bit. Um, I probably just need to listen to the archives. And then the last thing I want to say is, oh no, two things. Uh, When he, they go between the different types of white people or excuse me, white people as Europeans, there's a little bit of an admittal from Philip K. Dick, that some Europeans aren't as ferocious as others, or am I mistaken? Some, you can let me know, Gus, or other people can let me know, because when they talk about people that are like Swedes or this or that, it's it's with a little bit of dismissal. And then they also, like what you said about the guy that Tams is like, you know, He's not as upright as the Germans to be ashamed of tanning, you know, with his uh, body language, you know, is to be a little bit um, lesser in the pecking order of the other white people, the Germans, who really are in charge, like like everybody's saying, like, even though on the face it looks like you can was the is leading the United States, the Germans still have their white supremacist position. So these other Europeans aren't as uh, supremacist, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what to call it, but they have a certain amount of bashfulness to them that the Germans don't have. And I wonder if that's true in real life to anyone, not just what I think the writer's inferring. And then I'm trying to figure out too, if is, is ultimately, because I don't want to watch the TV show and cheat, I'm trying to figure out ultimately, is there going to be a moral to this story, meaning a constructive result, in accordance to the code and nature, you know what I'm saying, something that is going to solve a problem in real life, to go through all this figurative, you know, and imaginative, imaginative positioning from a racist endeavor, which is World War II. Or is this fandom? That's what I'm trying to figure out because it sounds like it's fandom. And it's, you know, just this, it's it's aggravating that people are so fascinated. White people are so fascinated with not only uh, Germany and Nazis, but keeping it real, going back to real life. They're fascinated with uh, England as well. Um, Maybe in different ways, but they like, they like aristocracy and they definitely like their race soldiers. They're Nazi race soldiers. So I'll mute my line. Thank you.
3: Much obliged. Irie in Louisiana. Uh, other folks can kind of comment uh, on some of what she shared as we roll. I'll just get in quick. Number one, I guess for Irie and other listeners, cause I'm in the same in this category myself, I have not watched the Amazon series. I've seen literally like one and a half episodes. I think when we started last week, I said, I've seen one and a half episodes in that seven days. I've still only seen one and a half episodes. All of that said, the Amazon series allegedly is very different from the book. Uh, in addition to it being way longer it's allegedly totally different it has some of the same characters and what have you but it's it's just it's not the same uh, if we have any folks who have seen the Amazon series you can let us know but I don't even think that you can cheat and I was kind of thinking that from a little bit that I have seen like this does not quite match up We, I mean it's it's like some like oh, okay Mr. Takami and okay Juliana and, like okay but I mean it's just kind of the basics of the plot and then something else uh, the section that you were referring to about I guess less ferocious or what-have-you I think it was the portion where we were talking about when the killing really escalated in the concentration camps uh, where it says cause they don't use the word ferocious per se but it's uh, the way it's written is it was a dreadful thing read said when General Rommel was relieved of his post and the awful and that awful Lammers was appointed in his place. That's when the murdering and those concentration camps really began. They existed when Rommel was military governor, but she gestured. It wasn't official. Maybe those SS hoodlums did those acts then, but he wasn't like the rest of them. He was more like those old Prussians. He was harsh. And then it goes on from there. So I think that's where they're, they're trying to make as though there's some sort of uh, distinction some of them were maybe not quite as bloodthirsty and, you know, you might've had a few rogues here and there. And then this other fellow, um, lammers, I guess is, I hope I'm saying that right. L a m m e r s. that, Oh man, it's just really like you have degrees of white supremacist, racist. Uh, anywho, I guess before Henry in Chicago and the other folks, I'll say also, I think for this book, that's why I was kind of doing a, a head scratch where you were saying it was kind of difficult to figure out the, protagonist and all that I would assume they got to be white people right uh, I think Juliana is one and we'll kind of see as we're going through but uh, and the alternative history of all of this I think the diverge point for this book where it alternates is the Rosendevelt assassination which they uh she ironically she mentioned the book uh, the grasshopper sleeps heavy which is ironically a real book Um but which which I think it posits that the South won the civil war. It's another one of those alternative history books. But anyway, the diverge point is the Roosevelt assassination. That's what has been changed or that's where things change in this book from the time Roosevelt is assassinated. He was not, uh, and that changes. And, and then you go out with all these, this alternative, you get more of this, than more, you know, out of world war two. I was thinking Mr. Fuller might love this. He might've even read it. I don't know. Um, But yeah, obviously you would get a lot more out of it because you would know a lot more of the details and what actually happened and like Stalingrad and all that and where Germany gets turned back. The more you know about all that, the more, you know, all of that to say, the folks who are really excited about this book, this is not the sort of book that I think you would get any benefit from at all. If you're just kind of casually listening, you kind of have to be immersed uh, in this one to really because it's so the word I just keep it's so wacky. Like it's no real frame of reference. It's it's ahistorical purposely, right? So you kinda have to be really immersed to kinda all right, I'm in this world and these are all the characters and you know, that type of thing. I don't know if we have too many listeners who are really I love white World War Two sci fi. Like I don't know how many and fiction at that, like, hmm. Hmm. But we'll see. Uh, Henry in Chicago should be with us as well. Did you have commentary, sir?
4: Yes. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, greens, Gus and greens to all the callers and listeners. Um, I, I wanted to participate last week. I just had another meeting to attend, but, um, this is actually a pretty interesting book. Uh, you know, it's so interesting looking up this author, Philip K. Dick, um, you know, when he writes alternative history um, with the last recording, you know, with the last uh, recording that, you know, just you just played a few minutes ago when uh, the uh I guess the Japanese person was trying to purchase World War II antique. I mean, not World War II, but Civil War antique guns. Uh, the author, uh, Mr. Dick, was actually inspired to write this book after he read the uh, book Bringing the Jubilee." which is also an alternative history, uh, um, uh, novel where the South won the civil war. Uh, so, uh, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's actually a couple of other novels where, uh, these alternative histories have happened, you know, with the Germany winning Germany and Japan winning the world war two, and then also to the South winning the civil war. Uh, so, uh, uh, the author was inspired to write this. But you know, it's interesting. Um, Philip Dick, you know, suspected white supremacist doesn't like really kind of, ch- he doesn't really change in regards to the world that he creates, uh, the system of white supremacy because it's still the same. Um, but you know, uh, one thing is, is that, I mean, reading the book so far, um, <clears throat> the Germans are kind of like the sub villains, but, you know, obviously the real villains are kind of like the Japanese. So, you know, these are the non-white people who, you know, have a little power in the world. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously the theme is is that the Germans are kind of like the United States and, you know, uh, the Japanese are kind of like the Russians who are not as powerful as, the uh you know as the as the germans but you know obviously he doesn't change any of the structure of the system of racism and he kind of looks at the germans as you know the 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 only uh ethnic colonizers uh of the world and so you know in order to you know colonize non white people you know you have to practice racism Uh, in a, in a, in a militaristic way. And he kind of demonizes the Germans for one, trying to be the only colonizers on this world where, you know, in our reality, you know, mostly all white people of ethnic backgrounds colonize, um, you know, non-white spaces in this, uh, in this world. And then two, you know, uh, obviously all the Africans, well, probably most of the Africans are killed uh, in this in this particular world. And um, white people, you know, they'll kill, you know, non-white black people, but most likely there'll they'll be a benefit with them, you know, being, you know, slaves. Uh, just like in this book, the Japanese have enslaved the, uh, the uh, black people, which, you know, obviously he wants to make that point across of Japan being the real enemy. And then also, too, he he kind of makes the Germans uh, villains also because of the fact that they're letting these Japanese people uh, control part of the world, which is not a good thing. Anytime non-white people control any part of the world, it's always disastrous, uh, you know, and it's always, you know, not a good thing. Uh, and two, um, I think last week they were talking about how the Germans are developing these rockets uh into outer space and colonizing the moon and you know mars and stuff like that and it just reminds me of what elon musk and jeff bezos are doing trying to you know send rockets into outer space you know probably destroy the earth and leave all the non-white people here and you know just go somewhere else and do their damage but uh in a sense I think the author is trying to drive a point where, um, you know, just like now, uh, the system of racism tries to uh, kind of deceive you on these are the real racists over here. The Germans are the real racists. You know, uh, us good white people in the United States, we're not racist, but the Germans are. And it, you see it kind of play out today. You know, Donald Trump is the real racist not Joe Biden. So, um, but that's what I see in this novel so far, but uh, I'll continue to listen, but uh, that's all I have under my line.
3: Much obliged Henry in Chicago. Uh, now see, now that's one watching the Amazon series. Not only can you not cheat because it's so dissimilar to the novel, <sighs> I won't in the one and a half episodes that I've seen, there is a tent, like an explicit tension between the Japanese and the Germans. Like they have their half of the country, Japan, Germany has their half, but it's like flagrant. Like this is tenuous. Like the Germans are allowing this for a period of time. And then there's going to come a moment when they're like, yeah, you all the niggers too. get out of here. Japs. We're not, we're taking our country back and we're not partnering with you yet. Yeah, get over there with the other colored folk. That kind of tension is there very early. I don't know. Maybe, you know, you need to keep reading uh, to see if that tension is in the book. But it's in the series very early on. Um, I had totally forgotten about the slavery like shackles. Negroes in slavery uh that we did read about in detail last week, and they do push that off <laughs> to the uh Japanese people like it's their fault, but that's you know it's still the same. Negroes are still shackled and or being exterminated uh on the continent, so it's supposedly different, but not really. Let us see uh, colour at zero five two six oh five two six did you have commentary
5: uh can i be heard yes sir um, greetings guys greetings colors, and listeners um one part that caught my um mind was the um part where the person the narrator is talking about the buffalo head on the um wall and that and the, how that um just echoes the the racist mind and how they like to um, just collect trophies and have um, items that glorify their um, domination of planet Earth via um, just eliminating large numbers of non-white people. Because uh, for me, that buffalo, that decapitated buffalo, had represents their um, onslaught against uh, non-white people known as um, Native Americans. And and we see here in 2022, they come out with all these gold... Um statues and gold um ornaments that they call bust of George floyd skull, of Tigler's skull, School and all these famous um non white people or um just other um of racism and i think those um these trophies are, are the same thing they're just you know trophies that that um glorify and let the white supremacists remember. I celebrate, yeah, or, do you remember that victim, George Floyd? Do you remember how we got Brandon Taylor? Do you remember how we got um, Fergus Douglas on the black um, busts and trophies? Not, well, They're not car trophies, but that's why that's, what, that's how I view these statues, and, and that's what that buffalo on the wall reminded me of, how race men and race women are really, really slick, because they'll make these statues of these heads of these prominent figures, and to me, they're no more than hunting trophies.
3: Now I'm that line. Hmm. Much obliged. Uh, the tro- that's another pretty prominent aspect. Like uh, Henry in Chicago is saying like, this is supposed to be like an alternative universe and sci-fi world. And things are kind of the same white people collecting trophies of dark people and animals that they have slaughtered. Been talking about that for a decade in the book club, all the way back to Urugu. I just mentioned Urugu earlier today. Dr. Marimba Ani, very first book from the Cow's Book Club. And she talked about that in detail, making trophies of niggers and just people in general, things, animals that they have killed through and through. Uh, let's see. I will read one more email, share a few notes, and then we'll get to other uh, audio. One of our different investors, she wrote in wanted to write down some of my thoughts about Man in the High Castle. I don't have page numbers because I don't have the physical book, and they aren't in chronological order. That goes for Gus, too. The term Pinox seems like it's a shortening of Pinocchio, who was a wooden doll, a dummy, something whose strings were being pulled by another. And something I really remember from the story of Pinocchio is that he really wanted to be a real boy. To me, that says a lot first that the author thinks that the whites being dominated by non-whites in the text are not real people also stands to reason that if he thinks that he probably thinks understands that the non-whites beings dominated by whites in reality are not real people or actual women men i think in the book juliana does judo in the series she practices aikido The Internet says that Jido is a sport and it has medals and tournaments, many rules that govern matches and that certain moves are not allowed. Aikido is non-competitive, is practiced for self-improvement and effectiveness, self-defense counter-violence. I don't know a lot about martial arts, Gus, either, but it seems that the difference between Jido and Aikido matter enough to warrant a change from the book to the Amazon series, whatever their reasons were. I am very ignorant about martial arts and about Japanese and Chinese culture in general. All of that said, there is a lot of commentary about this sort of thing right here. Pardon, had to sneeze. When I say this sort of thing right here, meaning these sort of subtle changes that were made to a lot of the different aspects of what they would call Asian culture in the series, uh, the references to I Ching that's in the book and in the series and some of the other components and saying this doesn't match, or they taken something that is a part of Chinese culture, even though they're attributing it to someone who is Japanese. And there's a lot of that. There's a lot of commentary. uh, If you want to check that out uh, or even just thinking about the aspect that, Uh, Our caller just wrote in or listener just wrote in about Jito versus Aikido, but lots of that to even think about in terms of, you know, what we're reading in the book and then how that would be contrasted or why they would want to make certain omissions in adapting all of this for the Amazon series. Continuing Uh, when children sees the black people slaves coming off the ships and says they are in groups of no more than two or three it makes me think of something i heard or read about black males being on ships in the past that if they had large groups of black males one of them would invariably start to complain about their mistreatment at the hands of whites and would coalesce a large group into a unit that could or would mutiny against whites but If the whites kept the groups of black males on the ships being mistreated small, no more than two or three, then their racist treatment of black males could continue for much longer periods of time with a lot less resistance, verbal or physical. I did some reading about Philip K. Dick on Wikipedia. Some of the things written about his life sound unusual. Five marriages would be one starter. There is a section called... Flight to Canada and suicide attempt and paranormal experiences that are very interesting to say the least. He does talk about aliens quite a bit, but so do some of our other cows guests. Uh, he wrote at least forty-four novels and one hundred twenty one short stories of which I have read a few. There is a story called Flow My Tears. The policeman said that won the John W. Campbell Memorial Award for Best Science Fiction Novel. In this one, the so-called United States has a second civil war and becomes a police state, whatever that means. Anyway, the reason I brought this up, Philip K. Dick novel, is because in this book, the black population has almost been rendered extinct. I wonder how often this is a theme in his books. It seems to be a very common part of the white psyche. Also, in that book, recreational drug use is widespread and the age of consent for sex has been lowered to 12. Kind of interesting. These are all very similar tropes in uh, like Daryl Bain and uh, the Turner Diaries. A lot of the other... Uh, White sci-fi movies that are out there that depict some kind of dystopian future, widespread drug use, uh, sexual perversions gone wild and all the rest. And, of course, the Negroes raping and decimated. She continues, "Uh, a fink is a finch, a form of bird, and they say birds die. That line stood out to me. I think it said Frank had changed his name from fink to Frank in the text and Fink was probably short for Finkelstein if I know anything about so-called Jewish names people who say they are Jewish have a history of changing their last names to be more easily accepted as white that's something that white people gripe about a lot that's why there are so many with the last name gold and silver Goldberg it used to be Goldstein and Silverstein until they decided to shorten that up and try to blend it with people dominating the planet and fink can become a verb that means to inform on someone to the authorities or a noun being such an informer also uh, can be used pejoratively to call someone a fink Uh, I think back in old timey days that would be the same as calling someone a snitch like this guy's a rat this guy's a fink Uh, let's see also the other Jew in the book Mr. Baines also threatens a Nazi by saying he will report him to the higher ups maybe the naming of the Frank Fink character and the way he portrays Mr. Baines illustrates how Mr. Dick sees people classified as Jewish I was thinking that as well lots of that is probably coming through white people fuss and grouse about so called Jews all the time and especially this is like 60 years ago really close to World War II so you probably have a lot more of that flagrantly Uh, also the way Juliana says she used to often tell Frank that he was ugly is weird Uh, maybe weird isn't the most accurate term but it certainly seems incorrect why would you tell someone that you cared about such a thing is this indicative of what white people actually think and or feel about non-whites that they dominate sexually Juliana seems to think that she is very attractive and that Jewish Frank with his big nose and large pores is ugly. Did he fall dead without me? Juliana thinks to herself about Frank Yo, this lady really thinks highly of herself. Juliana seems to gravitate towards males who look white but actually aren't classified as white. Frank and the WAP in the diner. I don't think I've ever heard or seen a white person calling a person from Sweden or Scandinavia who immigrates to the U.S. and is without papers a WAP. There is a lot of name calling of people classified as non-white in the text so far and how Wowzers. More of that to come. That's all I have for right now. I'll try to do some more reading and share my thoughts. I need to go outside and clean the snow. Oof. Jesus, Lord, <laughs> stay warm. So glad we are all done with that here in Seattle. It's been 50 degrees every day. Uh, we have one more email. Uh, we'll get to great commentary. Lots to think about. Uh, As we proceed the text, I'll try and see if I can share a few of my notes as well. And then maybe we'll push off to the second audio. Uh, Let's see. I find it fascinating uh, that they have this forgery problem uh, where they can't quite detect which guns are legitimate, which ones are not. And I mean, all of this is like a Welsing moment through and through and they said it's not even just in the gun business they say that as in the stamp and coin business no one could possibly estimate the percentage of forgeries in circulation and no one especially the dealers and the collectors themselves wanted to now this is one i suspect might also be similar to what is actually happening in terms of lots of people in the business of rare coins and everything else because they talk about uh paintings that have been forged and all the rest of it so would not surprise me at all that's in in uh common language, wooden nickel and all the rest of it. So just something I hadn't really given a lot of thought to, uh, says an expert could have told the difference, but the Japanese collectors weren't authorities in the proper sense had no standards or tests by which to judge. I just thought that was another instance of, uh, getting a jab in that, you know, they're not experts. They're not, you know, really intelligent. They can't really discern, uh, at the deepest levels, right? Same thing they were saying about their aerospace program last week. Um let's see next, uh okay, so we get this big long lots of commentary on manhood in this whole section, so we have Frank just mentioned he's talking about trying to get Juliana back, big pores and all. he says right now I'm nothing, but if I can swing this, then maybe Ling get Julia back. I know what she wants. She deserves to be married to a man who matters, an important person in the community, not some Meshuggah. Men used to be men in the old days before the war, for instance, but all that's gone now. Now, even, you know, stop right there. Uh, Meshuggah. Uh, what in the world does that even mean? So look that up. Meshuggah. um, Yiddish, crazy, mad, insane. Meshuggah, make sure I'm getting right. Who acts crazy or nonsensical. And this is being used to describe someone who is not not quite measuring up as a man, as a man. And Julia, Juliana deserves better and he says men used to be men man we just had Dr. Kevorkian on talking all that about nostalgia I'd say you even hear some of this now this same type of rhetoric that males talking about white males have been all emasculated that was a part of Trump Trump's uh, campaign rhetoric right same time that Dr. Welsing was talking about the Amazon paraphernalia Nazi paraphernalia and all that 2015 we've been emasculated you know me too and all the rest of it back when men used to be men Uh, he continues no wonder she roams around from place to place from man to man seeking and not even knowing what it is herself what her biology needs but I know and through this big time action with McCarthy whatever it is I'm going to achieve it for her I mean just it sounds so uh, sexualized uh here and she and even in the the older sense of white masculinity, where I just make all the decisions, and i 'll decide for this white woman and you know dictate what she needs because she doesn 't know what 's best for her i 'm in a paternalistic patriarchal sense, I need to be back in charge, not some you know mashugana, some schmuck uh and she 's running around all confused, throwing everything out of order, sexual vulnerability talked about that too of white women that 's a theme that 's come up in this book a lot too uh let 's see. Uh so then we have the incident uh at the gun shop with the fake. Children says bowing slightly, probably a pinnock so he thinks this is a white guy, one of those who's cooperating with the Japanese, like, ah, eh, but you know, i make a sale. Uh he's a rather dark man. Maybe he's been tanning too, right? Uh so they go through this whole charade and then oh no, he finds out he's got these fake guns and I'm gonna be in trouble and what's gonna happen. Uh, Again, I find all that to be fascinating. One, uh, the market for old white culture, which, you know, happens now, you have uh, so-called Japanese and other non-white people who love Elvis Presley and all kinds of, you know, what represents white Americana, the Dallas Cowboys and Sylvester Stallone movies, all the rest of it, Um, just like, you know, in this alternative uh, universe, but they're trying to get guns and civil war guns, no less. Uh, this is what they want to show off. Dr. Welsing, the great equalizer. And then things have gotten so ridiculous and wacky. We can't even authenticate the guns. <laughs> like, Oh my gosh. Like we've lost the war and our, our, our phallic representations are faulty. Can't even, you know, figure out uh, which ones are real and which ones are the fakes. Uh, let's see. And chapter five. Mm, 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 mm. Let's see. When... He talks about all of this fake. He says, so when Wyndham Matson, he's got the young lady over, I guess he's cheating on his wife because she's gone or whatever. Uh, and so they're having this big discussion about these, uh, this lighter that he has. He saw oh, this was with Roosevelt when he was killed. I said, that's the diverge point, right? For this book. Uh, for where things start to deviate from what actually happens. He's got this lighter. He's got the two, which one of these is really in his pocket. And how do you know? And all this, he says, "Uh, I have to prove with some sort of document, a paper of authenticity. And it's all a fake, a mass delusion. The paper proves it's worth, not the object himself from the wall. He took the Smithsonian's institutions framed certificate The paper and lighter had cost him a fortune, but they were worth it because they enabled him to prove that he was right. That the word fake meant nothing really, since the word authentic meant nothing really. I thought that was important as well. Even reminded me a little bit of 1984. When you have a system where you get to decide what is true in quotes uh, and you lie all the time. Fake and authentic can end up meaning, you know, what does that really mean? Like we just get to come in and say, well, this one is going to be authentic or this one is going to be fake or they're all going to be fake or whatever. We come in and set the value of the money, you know, at some point, like everything kind of loses value Uh, when you have a system where you have so much deception and corruption and fraud. Everything. Mr. Fuller has that in the word uh, in the code book. Everything becomes kind of worth less when you don't have justice but I mean that's just the real uh, explicit man I thought that was an important section right there too uh, let's see the the Gra I thought that was important I'll just I'll share a little snippet the grasshopper sleeps heavy or lies heavy sorry so uh, that's the book that they get on this big dialogue about like, Oh, it's so crazy. Uh, and even that is, is supposed to be kind of tongue in cheek and look how cute I'm being, writing an alternative history book and then referencing a real alternative history book in the middle of my book. Like, Oh, how cool I am as a white author. So the quick synopsis, the grasshopper lies heavy 1966, a century after the Confederate States of America won the civil war, the cold war rages, the Soviets control the West coast. The British have the colonies, The Confederacy is a powder keg in the middle. A terrorist attack in dystopian Atlanta lights the fuse. A captain in the KKK grows disillusioned with his country. A widow who won't grieve grows disillusioned with herself. A slave, even in all these alternative histories, she got nigger slaves. Why is that? A slave working at a weapons factory reaches his limits. A British invasion of Black Panthers a Russian spy hides in plain sight a president cashes in his chips the grasshopper lies heavy tells the story of an America on the brink of war of identity of starting over hmm. I don't know if I want to read it or not but um, hmm uh, I guess you can read a snippet online from Chandler Duke as the author looks like a white uh, man who wrote this one uh, let's see. Anywho, uh, anything else? Any notes that I took from this one. Oh, and this is Grasshopper Lies Heavy is one of the banned books uh, in the U.S., banned throughout the United States and in Europe, of course. She had gone to the hall and stood there now waiting uh they all they that, that's the conversation Whopi Goldberg got in trouble was about book banning. That's how they hopped to all that about so called Jews and them not being white uh let's see anything else. Let's see. A wacky metaphor was used uh they move a little bit further down and Rita is chatting here. You get used to it. You'd have clean quarters, adequate food, recreation, medical care provided. What do you want? Egg in your beer. I'd never heard that um, metaphor used before. I had to look up to see what it means. It means you've already got something satisfactory and now you're asking for more often undeservedly. So you've got a beer, you should be content and you want an egg in it too never heard that way before and that's uh, when Wyndham, what is it, Wyndham Madison is talking to Rita and um, she's saying that she couldn't live uh, out in the East uh, where the Germans control. She said, you know, you have to wake up, they censor your mail and you have to get up by the band in the morning like, ah, oh, I just couldn't take it out there. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> <laughs> Chuckled so much. Whoopi go over one more time. Later on, uh says I see Mr. Baines murmured. Is he trying to draw me out? He asked himself. Now he felt alert. His wits seemed to come together. The Jews, mister Togomi said, were described always by the Nazis as Asian and non white. Again, said man, she could have read read this one uh that tension like i said between the germans and the japanese is more apparent in a little bit of the series that i've seen we'll have to see if it comes uh to the forefront in the text uh let's see anything else oh this whole conversation when mr Tagomi is talking to him and it, it seems like maybe this is something that shouldn't be said like he's not supposed to be talking this explicitly about the racial dynamics of you know the Germans looking down on the Jews and maybe even how they feel uh, about so-called Japanese uh, that this is maybe something they're not supposed to be discussing uh, and so Mr. Baines he seems like he gets uncomfortable like oh, I, you know we need to wrap this whole conversation up like let me get you know rolling Uh, and then you know later on he kind of figures out something to say and kind of moves on but I thought that was interesting as well like uh, it seems like you know it's it's, uh, real troublesome environment Uh, you could easily get in trouble for what you say uh, or how things are said or who hears what you say like they might go and rat you out uh, for that sort of thing dangerous environment Uh, anywho uh, we will pause here uh, if you have additional observations, questions, whatever it is, jot them down. Uh, we will pick up. So we're at chapter six of Philip K. Dick's the man in the high castle. Uh, we will have adequate time to share once this section concludes uh, context of white supremacy. We will
1: go ahead and get started. Audio segment two. chapter six. Early in the morning, enjoying the cool, bright sunlight. Mrs. Juliana Frink did her grocery shopping. She strolled along the sidewalk, carrying the two brown paper bags, halting at each store to study the window displays. She took her time. Wasn't there something she was supposed to pick up at the drugstore? She wandered in. Her shift at the judo parlor did not begin until noon. This was her free time today. Seating herself on a stool at the counter, she put down her shopping bags and began to go over the different magazines. The new life she saw had a big article called Television in Europe. Glimpse of tomorrow. Turning to it, interested, she saw a picture of a German family watching television in their living room. Already, the article said, there was four hours of image broadcast during the day from Berlin. Someday there would be television stations in all the major European cities, and by 1970 one would be built in New York. The article showed Reich electronic engineers at the New York site helping the local personnel with their problems. It was easy to tell which were the Germans. They had that healthy, clean, energetic, assured look. The Americans, on the other hand, they just looked like people. They could have been anybody. One of the German technicians could be seen pointing off somewhere, and the Americans were trying to make out what he was pointing at. I guess their eyesight is better than ours, she decided. Better diet over the last twenty years. As we've been told, they can see things no one else can. Vitamin A, perhaps? I wonder what it's like to sit home in your living room and see the whole world on a little gray glass tube. If those Nazis can fly back and forth between here and Mars, why can't they get television going? I think I'd prefer that, to watch those comedy shows, actually see what Bob Hope and Duranty look like, than to walk around on Mars. Maybe that's it, she thought as she put the magazine back on the rack. The Nazis have no sense of humor, so why should they want television? Anyhow, they killed most of the really great comedians, because most of them were Jewish. In fact, she realized, they killed off most of the entertainment field. I wonder how Hope gets away with what he says. Of course, he has to broadcast from Canada, and it's a little freer up there. But Hope really says things, like the joke about Goring, the one where Goring buys Rome and has it shipped to his mountain retreat and then set up again, and revives Christianity so his pet lions will have something to... "'Did you want to buy that magazine, miss?' "'The little dried-up old man who ran the drugstore called with suspicion. "'Guiltily, she put down the reader's digest, which she had begun to thumb through. "'Again strolling along the sidewalk with her shopping bags, "'Juliana thought, "'Maybe Goring will be the new Fuhrer when that Bormann dies. "'He seems sort of different from the others. "'The only way that Bormann got it in the first place "'was to weasel in when Hitler realized how fast he was going. "'Old Goring was off in his mountain palace.' Goring should have been purer after Hitler. Because it was his Luftwaffe that knocked out those English radar stations and then finished off the RAF, Hitler would have had them bomb London like they did Rotterdam. But probably Goebbels will get it, she decided. That was what everyone said. As long as that awful Heydrich doesn't, he'd kill us all. He's really bats. The one I like, she thought, is that Baldur von Schirach. He's the only one who looks normal anyhow, but he hasn't got a chance. Turning, she ascended the steps to the front door of the old wooden building in which she lived. When she unlocked the door of her apartment, she saw Joe Sinadella still lying where she had left him, in the center of the bed, on his stomach, his arms dangling. He was still asleep. No, she thought. He can't still be here. The truck's gone. Did he miss it? Obviously. Going into the kitchen, she set her grocery bags on the table among the breakfast dishes. But did he intend to miss it? she asked herself. That's what I wonder. What a peculiar man. He had been so active with her, going on almost all night. And yet it had been as if he were not actually there, doing it but never being aware. Thoughts on something else, maybe. From habit, she began putting food away in the old GE turret top refrigerator, and then she began clearing the breakfast table. Maybe he's done it so much, she decided. It's second nature. His body makes the motions, like mine now as I put these plates and silver in the sink. Could do it with three-fifths of his brain removed, like the leg of a frog in biology class. Hey, she called. Wake up. In the bed, Joe stirred, snorted. Did you hear the Bob Hope show the other night? she called. He told this really funny joke, the one where his German major is interviewing some Martians— The Martians can't provide racial documentation about their grandparents being Aryan, you know. So the German major reports back to Berlin that Mars is populated by Jews. Coming into the living room where Joe lay in the bed, she said, And they're about one foot tall and have two heads. You know how Bob Hope goes on. Joe had opened his eyes. He said nothing. He stared at her unwinkingly. His chin, black with stubble, his dark, ache-filled eyes. She also became quiet then. "'What is it?' she said at last. "'Are you afraid?' "'No,' she thought. "'That's Frank who's afraid. "'This is... I don't know what.' "'The rig went on,' Joe said, sitting up. "'What are you going to do?' "'She seated herself on the edge of the bed, "'drying her arms and hands with the dish-towel. "'I'll catch him on the return. "'He won't say anything to anybody. "'He knows I'll do the same for him.' "'You've done this before?' she asked. "'Joe did not answer. "'You meant to miss it,' Juliana said to herself. "'I can tell. All at once I know.' "'Suppose he takes another route back?' she said. "'He always would take fifty, never forty. "'He had an accident on the forty once. "'Some horses got out in the road, and he plowed into them, in the Rockies.' "'Picking up his clothes from the chair, he began to dress. "'How old are you, Joe?' she asked as she contemplated his naked body. Thirty-four. Then, she thought, you must have been in the war. She saw no obvious physical defects. He had, in fact, quite a good, lean body with long legs. Joe, seeing her scrutiny, scowled and turned away. Can't I watch? she asked, wondering why not. All night with him and then this modesty. Are we bugs? she said. We can't stand the sight of each other in the daylight. We have to squeeze into the walls. Grunting sourly, he started toward the bathroom in his underpants and socks, rubbing his chin. This is my home, Juliana thought. I'm letting you stay here, and yet you won't allow me to look at you. Why do you want to stay then? She followed after him into the bathroom. He had begun running hot water in the bowl to shave. On his arm she saw a tattoo, a blue letter C, ''What's that?'' she asked. ''Your wife? Connie? Corinne?'' Joe, washing his face, said, ''Cairo.'' What an exotic name, she thought with envy. And then she felt herself flush. ''I'm really stupid,'' she said. An Italian, thirty-four years old, from the Nazi part of the world. He had been in the war all right, but on the Axis side. And he had fought at Cairo. The tattoo was their bond, the German and Italian veterans of that campaign.' The defeat of the British and Australian army under General Gott at the hands of Rommel and his Africa Corps. She left the bathroom, returned to the living room, and began making the bed. Her hands flew. In a neat stack on the chair lay Joe's possessions, clothes, and small suitcase, personal articles. Among them, she noticed a velvet covered box, a little like a glasses case. Picking it up, she opened it and peeked inside. You certainly did fight at Cairo, she thought. As she gazed down at the Iron Cross Second Class with the word and the date, June 10, 1945, engraved at its top. They didn't all get this, only the valiant ones. I wonder what you did. You were only seventeen years old then. Joe appeared at the door of the bathroom just as she lifted the medal from its velvet box. She became aware of him and jumped guiltily. But he did not seem angry. I was just looking at it, Juliana said. I've never seen one before. Did Rommel pin it on you himself?" General Beyerland gave them out. Rommel had already been transferred to England to finish up there. His voice was calm, but his hand once more had begun the monotonous pawing at his forehead, fingers digging into his scalp in that combing motion which seemed to be a chronic nervous take. Would you tell me about it? Juliana asked, as he returned to the bathroom and his shaving. As he shaved and, after that, took a long hot shower, Joe Cinedella told her a little, nothing like the sort of account she would have liked to hear. His two older brothers had served in the Ethiopian campaign, while he, at thirteen, had been in a fascist youth organization in Milan, his hometown. Later, his brothers had joined a crack artillery battery, that of Major Ricardo Pardi, and when World War II began, Joe had been able to join them. They had fought under Graziani. Their equipment, especially their tanks, had been dreadful, the British had shot them down, even senior officers, like rabbits. Doors of the tanks had to be held shut with sandbags during battle to keep them from flying open. Major Party, however, had reclaimed discarded artillery shells, polished and greased them, and fired them. His battery had halted General Wavell's great desperate tank advance in 43. "'Are your brothers still alive?' Juliana asked. His brothers had been killed in 44.' strangled with wire by British commandos, the long-range desert group which had operated behind Axis lines and which had become especially fanatic during the last phases of the war when it was clear that the Allies could not win. "'How do you feel about the British now?' she asked haltingly. Joe said, "'I'd like to see them do to England what they did in Africa.' His tone was flat. "'But it's been eighteen years.' Juliana said. I know the British especially did terrible things, but they talk about the things the Nazis did to the Jews, Joe said. The British have done worse. In the Battle of London, he became silent. Those fire weapons, phosphorus and oil. I saw a few of the German troops afterward. Boat after boat, burned to a cinder. Those pipes under the water turned the sea to fire and on civilian populations by those mass firebombing raids that Churchill thought were going to save the war at the last moment. Those terror attacks on Hamburg and Essen and... Let's not talk about it, Juliana said. In the kitchen, she started cooking bacon. She turned on the small white plastic Emerson radio which Frank had given her on her birthday. I'll fix you something to eat. She dialed, trying to find some light, pleasant music. Look at this, Joe said. In the living room, he sat on the bed, his small suitcase beside him. He had opened it and brought out a ragged, bent book, which showed signs of much handling. He grinned at Juliana. "'Come here. You know what somebody says? This man,' he indicated the book. "'This is very funny. Sit down.' He took hold of her arm, drew her down beside him. "'I want to read to you. Suppose they had one. What would it be like? We don't have to worry.' This man has done all the thinking for us. Opening the book, Joe began turning pages slowly. The British Empire would control all Europe, all the Mediterranean, no Italy at all, nor Germany either. Bobbies and those funny little soldiers in tall fur hats and the king as far as the Volga. In a low voice, Juliana said, Would that be so bad? You read the book? No. No she admitted, peering to see the cover. She had heard about it, though. A lot of people were reading it. But Frank and I, my former husband and I, often talked about how it would have been if the Allies had won the war. Joe did not seem to hear her. He was staring down at the copy of The Grasshopper Lies Heavy. And in this, he went on, you know how it is that that England wins, beats the Axis? She shook her head, feeling the growing tension of the man beside her, His chin now had begun to quiver. He licked his lips again and again, dug at his scalp. When he spoke, his voice was hoarse. "'He has Italy betray the Axis,' Joe said. "'Oh,' she said. "'Italy goes over to the Allies, joins the Anglo-Saxons, and opens up what he calls the soft underbelly of Europe.' But that's natural for him to think that. We all know the cowardly Italian army that ran every time they saw the British drinking vino. Happy-go-lucky, not made for fighting. This fellow... Joe closed the book, turned it around to study the back cover. Abenson. I don't blame him. He writes of his fantasy, imagines how the world would be if the Axis had lost. How else could they lose except by Italy being a traitor? His voice grated. The Duce... He was a clown. We all know that. I have to turn the bacon. She slid away from him and hurried back to the kitchen. Following after her, still carrying the book, Joe went on. And the U.S. comes in, after it licks the Japs. And after the war, the U.S. and Britain divide the world, exactly like Germany and Japan did in reality. Juliana said, Germany, Japan, and Italy. "'He stared at her. "'You left out Italy.' "'She faced him calmly. "'Did you forget, too?' "'She said to herself. "'Like everybody else, "'the little empire in the Middle East, "'the musical comedy New Rome. "'Presently she served him "'a platter of bacon and eggs, "'toast and marmalade, coffee. "'He ate readily. "'What did they serve you in North Africa?' "'She asked as she, too, seated herself. "'Joe said, "'Dead donkey.' That's hideous. With a twisted grin, Joe said, Asino morte. The bully beef cans had the initials A. M. stamped on them. The Germans called it Altermann, old man. He resumed his rapid eating. I would like to read this, Juliana thought as she reached to take the book from under Joe's arm. Will he be here that long? The book had grease on it. Pages were torn. Finger marks all over it. Read by truck drivers on the long hall, she thought. "'in the one arm beaneries late at night. "'I'll bet you're a slow reader,' she thought. "'I'll bet you've been poring over this book for weeks, if not months.' "'Opening the book at random,' she read, "'Now in his old age he viewed tranquility, "'domains such as the ancients would have coveted but not comprehended, "'ships from the Crimea to Madrid, and all the empire, "'all with the same coin, speech, flag, "'the great old Union Jack dipping from sunrise to sunset,' It had been fulfilled at last, that about the sun and the flag. The only book I carry around, Juliana said, isn't actually a book. It's the Oracle, the I Ching. Frank got me hooked on it, and I use it all the time to decide. I never let it out of my sight, ever. She closed the copy of The Grasshopper. Want to see it? Want to use it? No, Joe said. Resting her chin on her folded arms on the table's surface and gazing at him sideways, she said, "'Have you moved in here permanently? And what are you up to?' Brooding over the insults, the slanders. "'You petrify me,' she thought, with your hatred of life. But you have something. You're like a little animal, not important, but smart. Studying his limited, clever, dark face, she thought, "'How could I ever have imagined you as younger than me?' "'But even that's true.' Your childishness. You are still the baby brother, worshipping your two older brothers in your major party and General Rommel, panting and sweating to break loose and get the Tommies. Do they actually garret your brothers with loops of wire? We heard that, the atrocity stories and photos released after the war. She shuddered. But the British commandos were brought to trial and punished long ago. The radio had ceased playing music. There seemed to be a news program, Racket of Shortwave from Europe. The voice faded and became garbled. A long pause, nothing at all, just silence. Then the Denver announcer, very clear, close by. She reached to turn the dial, but Joe stopped her hand. News of Chancellor Bormann's death shocked a stunned Germany, which had been assured as recently as yesterday. She and Joe jumped to their feet. All Reich stations canceled scheduled programs, and listeners heard the solemn strains of the chorus of the SS Division Das Reich, raised in the anthem of the Partei, the horse-vessel lead. Later, in Dresden, were the acting Partei secretary and chiefs of Sicherheitsdienst, the National Security Police, which replaced the Gestapo, following... Joe turned the volume up. Reorganization of the government at the instigation of the late Reichsführer Himmler, Albert Speer, and others. Two weeks of official mourning were declared, and already many shops and businesses have closed, it was reported. As yet, no word has come as to the expected convening of the Reichstag, the formal parliament of the Third Reich, whose approval is required. It'll be Heidrich, Joe said. I wish it would be that big blond fellow, that Schirach, she said. Christ, so he finally died. Do you think Schirach has a chance? No, Joe said shortly. Maybe there'll be a civil war now, she said. But those guys are so old now, Goring and Goebbels, all those old party boys. The radio was saying, Reached at his retreat in the Alps near Brenner, Joe said, This'll be Fath Herman. Said merely that he was grief-stricken by the loss, not only of a soldier and patriot and faithful party leader, but also, as he has said many times over, of a personal friend, whom, one will recall, he backed in the interregnum dispute shortly after the war, when it appeared for a time that elements hostile to Herr Bormann's ascension to supreme authority... Juliana shut the radio off. "'They're just babbling,' she said. "'Why do they use words like that? Those terrible murderers are talked about as if they were like the rest of us.' "'They are like us,' Joe said. He reseated himself and once more ate. "'There isn't anything that they have done we wouldn't have done if we'd been in their places.' They saved the world from a communism. We'd be living under red rule now if it wasn't for Germany. We'd be worse off. You're just talking, Juliana said, like the radio, babbling. I've been living under the Nazis, Joe said. I know what it's like. Is that just talk, to live 12, 13 years? Longer than that, almost 15 years? I got a work card from OT. I worked for Organization Talks since 1947 in North Africa and the USA. Listen, he jabbed his finger at her. I got the Italian genius for earthworks. O.T. gave me a higher rating. I wasn't shoveling asphalt and mixing concrete for the autobahns. I was helping design, engineer. One day Dr. Toth came by and inspected what our work crew did. He said to me, you got good hands. That's a big moment, Juliana. Dignity of labor. They're not talking only words. Before them, the Nazis, everyone looked down on the manual jobs. Myself, too, aristocratic. The labor front put an end to that. I seen my own hands for the first time. He spoke so swiftly that his accent began to take over. She had trouble understanding him. We all lived out there in the woods, in Upper State New York, like brothers. Sang songs, marched to work. Spirit of the war, only rebuilding, not breaking down. Those were the best days of all, rebuilding after the war. Fine, clean, long-lasting rows of public buildings, block by block. Whole new downtown, New York and Baltimore. Now, of course, that work's past. Big cartels like a New Jersey Krupp and Sonnen running the show. But that's not Nazi. That's just old European powerful. Worse are you here. Nazis like Rommel and Tott, a million times better men than industrious like Krupp and bankers. All those Prussians ought to have been gassed. All those gentlemen in vests. But, Juliana thought, those gentlemen in vests are in forever. And your idols, Rommel and Dr. Tott, they just came in after hostilities to clear the rubble, build the autobahns, start industry humming... They even let the Jews live. Lucky surprise. Amnesty so the Jews could pitch in. Until 49, anyhow. And then goodbye and Rommel, retired to Gray's. Don't I know, Juliana thought. Didn't I hear all about it from Frank? You can't tell me anything about life under the Nazis. My husband was, is, a Jew. I know that Dr. Tot was the most modest gentleman that ever lived. I know all he wanted to do was provide work, honest, reputable work for the millions of bleak-eyed, despairing American men and women picking through the ruins after the war. I know he wanted to see medical plans, vacation resorts, and adequate housing for everyone, regardless of race. He was a builder, not a thinker. And in most cases he managed to create what he had wanted. He actually got it. But... A preoccupation in the back of her mind now rose decidedly. Joe, this grasshopper book, isn't it banned on the East Coast? He nodded. How could you be reading it, then?" Something about it worried her. Don't they still shoot people for reading? It depends on your racial group, on the good old arm that... That was so. Slavs, Poles, Puerto Ricans were the most limited as to what they could read, do, listen to. The Anglo-Saxons had it much better. There was public education for their children, and they could go to libraries and museums and concerts. But even so, the grasshopper was not merely classified. It was forbidden, and to everyone. Joe said, I read it in the toilet. I hid it in a pillow. In fact, I read it because it was a band. You're very brave, she said. Doubtfully, he said, You mean that sarcastically? No. He relaxed a little. It's easy for you people here. You live a safe, purposeless life. Nothing to do, nothing to worry about, Out of the stream of events, left over from the past, right? His eyes mocked her. You are killing yourself, she said, with cynicism. Your idols got taken away from you one by one, and now you have nothing to give your love to. She held his fork toward him. He accepted it. Eat, she thought, or give up even the biological processes. As he ate, Joe nodded at the book and said, That Abinson lives around here according to the cover. In Cheyenne. Guess perspective on the world from such a safe spot, wouldn't you guess? Read what it says. Read it aloud. Taking the book, she read the back part of the jacket. He's an ex-serviceman. He was in the U.S. Marine Corps in World War II, wounded in England by a Nazi tiger tank, a sergeant. It says he's got practically a fortress that he writes in, guns all over the place. Setting the book down, she said, and it doesn't say so here, but I heard someone say that he's almost a sort of paranoid, charged barbed wire around the place, and it's set in the mountains, hard to get to. Maybe he's right, Joe said, to live like that after writing that book. The German bigwigs hit the roof when they read it. He was living that way before. He wrote the book there. His place is called—she glanced at the book jacket—the High Castle. That's his pet name for it. They won't get him. Joe said, chewing rapidly. "'He's on the lookout. Smart.' She said, "'I believe he's got a lot of courage to write that book. "'If the Axis had lost the war, "'we'd be able to say and write anything we wanted, like we used to. "'We'd be one country, and we'd have a fair legal system, "'the same one for all of us.' To her surprise, he nodded reasonably to that. "'I don't understand you,' she said. "'What do you believe? What is it you want?' You defend those monsters, those freaks who slaughtered the Jews, and then you... Despairing, she caught hold of him by the ears. He blinked in surprise, in pain, as she rose to her feet, tugging him up with her. They faced each other, wheezing, neither able to speak. Let me finish this meal you fixed for me, Joe said at last. Won't you say? You won't tell me? You do know what it is, yourself. You understand, and you just go on eating, pretending you don't have any idea what I mean. She let go of his ears. They had been twisted until they were now bright red. Empty talk, Joe said. It doesn't matter. Like the radio, what you said of it. You know the old brown shirt term for people who spin philosophy? Eierkopf. Egghead. Because the big double-domed empty heads break so easily in the street brawls. If you feel like that about me, Juliana said, why don't you go on? What are you staying here for? His enigmatic grimace chilled her. I wish I had never let him come with me, she thought. And now it's too late. I know I can't get rid of him. He's too strong. Something terrible is happening, she thought, coming out of him, and I seem to be helping it. What's the matter? He reached out, chucked her beneath the chin, stroked her neck, put his fingers under her shirt, and pressed her shoulders affectionately. A mood. Your problem. I'll analyze you free. They'll call you a Jew analyst, she smiled feebly. Do you want to wind up in an oven? You're scared of men, right? I don't know. It was possible to tell last night, only because I... He cut his sentence off. Because I took special care to notice your wants. Because you've gone to bed with so many girls, Juliana said. That's what you started to say. But I know I'm right. Listen, I'll never hurt you, Juliana. On my mother's body, I give you my word. I'll be specially considerate. And if you want to make an issue out of my experience, I'll give you the advantage of that. You'll lose your jitters. I can relax you and improve you. in Not very much time, either. You've just had bad luck. She nodded, cheered a bit. But she still felt cold and sad. And she still did not know quite why. To begin his day, Mr. Nobusuke Togomi took a moment to be alone. He sat in his office in the Nippon Times building and contemplated. Already, before he had left his house to come to his office, he had received Ito's report on Mr. Baines. There was no doubt in the young student's mind, Mr. Baines was not a Swede. Mr. Baines was most certainly a German national. But Ito's ability to handle Germanic languages had never impressed either the trade missions or the Tokuka, the Japanese secret police. The fool possibly had sniffed out nothing to speak of, Mr. Togomi thought to himself. Maladroit enthusiasm, combined with romantic doctrines. Detect, always with suspicion. Anyhow, the conference with Mr. Baines and the elderly individual from the home islands would begin soon, in due course, whatever national Mr. Baines was. And Mr. Togomi liked the man. That was, he decided, conceivably the basic talent of the man highly placed such as himself, to know a good man when he met him. Intuition about people, cut through all ceremony and outward form, penetrate to the heart. The heart, locked within two yin lines of black passion, strangled sometimes, and yet, even then, the light of yang, the flicker at the center. I like him, Mr. Togomi said to himself, German or Swede. I hope the Zeracane helped his headache. Must recall to inquire, first off the bat. His desk intercom buzzed, ''No,'' he said brusquely into it. ''No discussion. This moment for inner truth. Introversion.'' From the tiny speaker, Mr. Ramsey's voice, ''Sir, news has just come from the press service below. The Reichschancellor Chancellor is dead, Martin Bormann." Ramsey's voice popped off. Silence. Mr. Tagomi thought, ''Cancel all business for today.'' He rose from his desk and paced rapidly back and forth, pressing his hands together. Let me see. Dispatch at once formal note to Reich's consul. Minor item, subordinate can accomplish. Deep sorrow, etc. All Japan joins with German people in this sad hour. Then, become vitally receptive. Must be in position to receive information from Tokyo instantly. Pressing the intercom button, he said, Mr. Ramsey, be sure we are through to Tokyo. Tell the switchboard girls, be alert. Must not miss communication. Yes, sir, Mr. Ramsey said. I will be in my office from now on. Thwart all routine matters. Turn back any and all callers whose business is customary. Sir? My hands must be free in case sudden activity is needed. Yes, sir. Half an hour later, at nine, a message arrived from the highest-ranking imperial government official on the West Coast, the Japanese ambassador to the Pacific States of America, the Honorable Baron L.B. Kadamakule. The Foreign Office had called an extraordinary session at the Embassy building on Sutter Street, and each trade mission was to send a highly placed personage to attend. In this case, it meant Mr. Togomi himself. There was no time to change clothes. Mr. Togomi hurried to the express elevator, descended to the ground floor, and a moment later was on his way by Mission Limousine, a black 1940 Cadillac driven by an experienced, uniformed Chinese chauffeur. At the Embassy building, he found other dignitaries' cars parked roundabout, a dozen in all. Highly placed worthies, some of whom he knew, some of whom were strangers to him, could be seen ascending the wide steps of the embassy building, filing on inside. Mr. Togomi's chauffeur held the door open, and he stepped out quickly, gripping his briefcase. It was empty, because he had no papers to bring, but it was essential to avoid appearance of being mere spectator. He strode up the steps in a manner suggesting a vital role in the happenings, although actually he had not even been told what this meeting would cover. Small knots of personages had gathered, murmured discussions in the lobby. Mr Togomi joined several individuals whom he knew, nodding his head and looking with them solemn. An embassy employee appeared presently and directed them into a large hall, chairs set up, folding type. All persons filed in, seated themselves silently except for coughing and shuffling. Talk had ceased. Toward the front a gentleman with handful of papers, making way up to slightly raised table, striped pants, representative from foreign office. Bit of confusion, other personages discussing in low tones, heads bowed together. Sirs, the foreign office person said in loud, commanding voice. All eyes fixed then on him. As you know, the Reich Councilor is now confirmed as dead. Official statement from Berlin. This meeting, which will not last long, you will soon be able to go back to your offices, is for purposes of informing you of our evaluation of several contending factions in German political life who can now be expected to step forth and engage in no-holds-barred disputation for spot evacuated by Herr Bormann. Briefly, the notables. The foremost, Hermann Göring. Bear with familiar details, please. The fat one, so-called due to body, originally courageous ace in First World War, founded Gestapo and held post in Prussian government of vast power. One of the most ruthless early Nazis, yet later sybaritic excesses, gave rise to misguiding picture of amiable wine-tippling disposition, which our government urges you to reject. This man, although said to be unhealthy, possibly even morbidly so in terms of appetites, resembles more the self-gratifying ancient Roman Caesars, whose power grew rather than abated as age progressed. Lurid picture of this person in toga with pet lions, Owning immense castle filled with trophies and art objects is no doubt accurate. Freight trains of stolen valuables made way to his private estates over military needs in wartime. Our evaluation? This man craves enormous power and is capable of obtaining it. Most self-indulgent of all Nazis, and is in sharp contrast to late H. Himmler, who lived in personal want at low salary. Herr Goring, representative of spoils mentality, using power as means of acquiring personal wealth. Primitive mentality, even vulgar but quite intelligent man, possibly most intelligent of all Nazi chiefs. Object of his drives, self-glorification in ancient emperor fashion. Next, R.J. Goebbels, suffered polio in youth. Originally Catholic, brilliant orator, writer, flexible and fanatic mind, witty, vain, cosmopolitan, much active with ladies, elegant, educated, highly capable, does much work, almost frenzied managerial drive, is said never to rest, much respected personage, can be charming, but is said to have rabid streak unmatched by other Nazis, ideological orientation suggesting medieval Jesuitic viewpoint exacerbated by post-romantic Germanic nihilism, considered sole authentic intellectual of the party, had ambitions to be playwright in youth, few friends, not liked by subordinates, but nonetheless highly polished product of many best elements in European culture. Not self-gratification is underlying ambition, but power for its use purely. Organizational attitude in classic Prussian state sense. Herr R. Heidlich. The foreign office official paused, glanced up and around at them all. Then he resumed. Much younger individual than above, who helped original revolution in 1932, career man with elite SS, Subordinate of H. Himmler May have played role in Himmler's not yet fully explained death in 1948 Officially eliminated other contestants within police apparatus Such as A. Eichmann, W. Schellenberg et al This man said to be feared by many apartheid people Responsible for controlling Wehrmacht elements After close of hostilities in famous clash between police and army Which led to reorganization of governmental apparatus Out of all this, the NSDAP emerging victor supported M. Borman throughout, product of elite training and yet anterior to so-called SS Castle system, said to be devoid of effective mentality in traditional sense, enigmatic in terms of drive, possibly may be said to have view of society which holds human struggle to be a series of games, peculiar quasi-scientific detachment, found also in certain technological circles, not party to ideological disputes. Summation, can be called most modern in mentality, post-enlightenment type, dispensing with so-called necessary illusions such as belief in God, etc. Meaning of this so-called realistic mentality cannot be fathomed by social scientists in Tokyo, so this man must be considered a question mark. However, notice of resemblance to deterioration of affectivity and pathological schizophrenia should be made. Mr. Togomi felt ill as he listened. Baldur van Schirach, former head of Hitler Youth, considered idealist, Personally attractive in appearance, but considered not highly experienced or competent. Sincere believer in goals of Parti, Took responsibility for draining Mediterranean and reclaiming of huge areas of farmland. Also mitigated vicious policies of racial extermination in Slavic lands in early 50s. Pled case directly to German people for remnant of Slavic peoples to exist on reservation-like closed regions in Heartland area. Called for end of certain forms of mercy killings and medical experimentation, but failed here. Dr. Zeiss Inquart, former Austrian Nazi, now in charge of Reich colonial areas, responsible for colonial policies, possibly most hated man in Reich territory, said to have instigated most, if not all, repressive measures dealing with conquered peoples, worked with Rosenberg for ideological victories of most alarming grandiose type, such as attempt to sterilize entire Russian population, remaining after close of hostilities. No facts for certain on this but considered to be one of several responsible for decision to make Holocaust of African continent, thus creating genocide conditions for Negro population. Possibly closest in temperament to original Fuhrer, A. Hitler. The foreign office spokesman ceased his dry, slow recitation. Mr. Togomi thought, I think I am going mad.
3: Eh, that is enough to drive you bonkers. Uh, so we are white supremacy racism that is so we are at the close of chapter 6 we didn't get all of it we'll finish chapter 6 next week but we got pretty close uh, to the end of the chapter anywho uh, we'll resume next week uh, context of white supremacy the number 720 716 7300 the code five six four nine four three pound press star 6 1 if you would like to participate <clears throat> the only thing that I'll say really quick uh, I don't think I'm not a expert on Nazi Germany or World War 2 but I think most check that I think all of the names of these Germans that are being mentioned as possible successors are real people I looked up one or two some of them I recognized, but I was in and, and he has at the beginning about the research of Nazi Germany I think all of these folks are real people uh enough that I need to research to actually find out the last fella Doctor. Su- uh, I- <laughs> I got an F in German. S e y s s hyphen inquart. I think I n q u a r t. Uh, what did this fellow work on? Like, let's see. Was he really working on? Program- I mean, they did their their uh, genocide programs uh, on the southern end of the continent. That's in like journals and what have you talked about. We've talked about that before in the program. So, yeah that might be a homework assignment for people who are reading this book like don't watch the television show like look up some of these Nazis who are being named and see what they did like for real for real 720-716-7300 the code 564-943 pound press star 61 if you would like to participate Much obliged. Our caller, uh, one of the folks who was helping me find Meshugana. I was going slow uh, on the first portion of the audio. Uh, Let's see. Folks who dialed in with a hand up. Uh, Henry in Chicago, 0526. Any other folks? Uh, I will keep an eye out if you all have hands. Uh, Any commentary? The second portion of the reading? Nothing stood out. Maybe they're pondering. Grand. While folks are thinking, I will make sure I get in all of the emails that folks send in. Until justice at gmail dot com, until justice at gmail dot com. Uh, one of our different investors wrote in. And much obliged to all the folks who wrote in, dialed in. Uh, yeah, I definitely am much happier camper. Folks are participating. Particularly when they selected the book. A uh, different investor wrote writes in uh, Greetings Gus. The text brought to mind controversy regarding the HBO show, which was in production, then cancelled portraying What if the South won the Civil War? <clears throat> it was in production in twenty nineteen. The writers were the same ones who created Game of Thrones, I bet it would have had a large viewership. There's like so many of those like spoofs and stuff. Uh, of what if the South won and what it was I mean how much racist imagination do we need uh, regarding ethnic categories maybe the author is speculating that if the Nazis had won all these ethnic categories would not be completely assimilated into white domination uh, Italian, Hispanic white, the secretary named uh got all these goofy names uh, the Kardashians he's talking about, Armenians Uh, Chapter 4. Number 1. Frank regarded McCarthy. They both knew WM Corporation turned out a constant flow of forgeries of of pre-war American artifacts. Getting people to crave and accumulate a lot of worthless junk seems to be important in the global system of racism, white supremacy, and being skilled at being able to detect all the forgeries and fakes uh in this system incidentally i think that name is important to you because this book was published in 1962 uh, and you just had mccarthyism uh happening late 1940s on into the 50s senator mccarthy about the so-called red scare and that's mentioned so i think that's probably not um an accident or coincidence to have someone named mccarthy in this type of book anyway two uh A Gresham's Law, the fakes would undermine the value of the real. New York City has a
0: huge
3: market in counterfeits of luxury brands. Gucci, Louis Vuitton, Rolex, etc. I'm not sure if it has decreased the price of so-called real things. Maybe I don't understand this principle. I don't either. I guess it would have to be like a saturation. I'd have to get somebody to break it down for me. Chapter 5. I'll tell you who really did a good job in the USA. Wyndham Matson said... Who can you look to for the economic revival? Albert Speer. At see this is what I said. Albert Speer, the Nazi war criminal who was noted for his use of slave labor to increase production, reminds me a little about the rhetoric associated with Donald Trump. He is a psychopath, but man, is he good for the economy. I told you these are not just idle mentioned Like I think a lot of this is well researched, which you know, that in of itself. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Number two, we have not in our society solved the problem of the aged, more of which persons occur constantly as medical measures improve. China teaches us rightly to honor the old. However, the Germans cause our neglect to seem close to outright virtue. I understand they murder the old. Reminds me of some of the discussions by suspected racists about COVID-19. Well, it's just a bunch of old people dying from it. So... Why do we need to alter our lifestyle? I do remember that was pretty prominently said, especially when this first started, like 2020. Like, you know, they're going to die anyway. They had a good time. Like, you know, right on time for you to shuffle on out of here, grandma. (laughs) Well, Let's see. Chapter six. So I didn't mean to laugh at grandparents. Uh, Number one, they saved the world from communism. We'd be living under red rule. Now, if it wasn't for Germany, we'd be worse off. Communism socialism, democracy. The system overriding everything is the global system of racism, white supremacy, according to Neely Fuller Jr. Amen. Number two, the grasshopper was not merely classified. It was forbidden and to everyone. In the TV show, I think the book was replaced with a movie that was forbidden because people don't read. Uh, Number three, Mr. Tagomi, Felt ill as he listened. This may be a foreshadowing of bad things to come. Wouldn't surprise me. Uh, let's see. Number four. Think along reassuring lines. Recall order of world. What to draw on? Religion? He thought. Now nah, a perform sedately. Capital both. Oh, oh, oh. Didn't get that far. Didn't get that far. Sorry. We'll have to pick up there Uh, for next week. uh, We'll pause right there. Still looking for the new uh, chancellor. Uh, Let me check out some of my notes from the portion that we just read as well. Uh, Again, that is my homework assignment. Like that might even be the audio that we start with for next week. Like who is this guy? S E Y S S inkart. I mean, Hey, maybe everybody can pick one person, right? And just, who is this person? You know, maybe if you don't know about Joseph Goebbels, who is this guy? You know, I know that guys written uh, air er, H E R R R. Idrick. I think I've seen that name before. That's a real person. Like, who are these people? What did they do? Um, uh, what are they known for? Um, maybe, you know, you don't have to do like an extensive five hour, or five week study, but just like a quick glance, see what information you can find, uh, before next week. Right. We all have a week to kind of check things out. Uh, Let's see some of the notes that I took from chapter six that we didn't even complete. Uh, Let's see. They start off. The new life she saw had a big article called the television in Europe. Glimpse of tomorrow. Turning to it interested, she saw a picture of a German family watching television in their living room. Already, the article said there was four hours of image broadcast during the day from Berlin. Someday, there would be television stations in all the major European cities. And by 1970, one would be built in New York. Har, har, har. But I mean, the power of this instrument, already seeing that coming, that's uh, four hours. Like, wow. But again, the technological prowess is with the white germans not the so-called asians which is you know i don't know what to say ironic comical considering the the plight of things now uh but the power of television and having people sit around and bragging about having this new piece of technology to show their their power and modernization uh let's see this was that the article showed the Reich electronic engineers at the New York site helping the local personnel with their problems. <laughs> it was easy to tell which were the Germans. They had that healthy, clean, energetic, assured look. The Americans, on the other hand, they just looked like people. They could have been anybody they mean white people uh all of this like just the low morale and and their even their biology is different uh not being in a position of domination anymore. Uh, they said one of the German technicians could be seen pointing off somewhere and the Americans were trying to make out what he was pointing at. I guess their eyesight is better than ours. She decided better diet <clears throat> over the past 20 years. As we've been told, they can see things. No one else can. Vitamin A, perhaps. Again, just on so many different layers. And they understand that when you're in a position of uh, subordination, that's all levels. Enormous impact. They understand that about the Negroes as well uh... let's see go on... maybe that's she thought that she put the magazines back on the rack the nazis have no sense of humor so why should they want television anyhow they killed most of the great comedians because most of them were jewish in fact she realized they killed off most of the entertainment field I wonder how Hope gets away with what he says. Of course, he has to be broadcast from Canada. Now, Bob Hope got mentioned all the time in uh, Woody Allen's book. Uh, the end of last year that we read that as well. Uh, but this, I don't even, I don't even know how to process that. Like that, things have gotten that bad. Even white people uh, have to flee to Canada and, and other parts of the world in hiding because they might say something offensive. That's why I said you got that environment. You might get in trouble. You know, you might say something get yourself killed uh, in this sort of environment. Lots of suspicion and snitching thinks uh, in this sort of environment. Even Bob Hope is not safe. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, I don't know who this guy is either. Uh, uh, B-A-L-D-U-R V-O-N S-C-H-I-R-A-C-H Um... Yeah, I think these are real folks because the context, she says, uh, but probably Goebbels will get it. She decided that was what everyone said. As long as that awful Heydrich doesn't, he'd kill us all. He really he's really bats. The one I like, she thought, is that Balder von Sirach. In fact, is this the one that I looked because I looked up one of these fellows like right now? Let's see. Let's just for for giggles. Let's see what pops up uh, when we search for this fella. Let's see. Oh, I did look him up okay Baldur von Sirach was a Nazi German politician who is best known for his role as the Nazi party national youth leader and head of the Hitler Youth from 1931 to 1940 he served as the Gauleteer and Reichstallhalter of Vienna let's see military wars that's what i said like these are like real folks like this guy let's see he lived until 1974 so way beyond oh he might i think he was at the nuremberg trials did this oh he got indicted this guy got indicted at the nuremberg trial. yeah see that might even be worthwhile like if you're going to follow along with this book and people requested that we read it like take uh you know, 30 minutes and just pick out that most of these names are on one page when they're going through who's going to take over. Just take like five minutes and see, you know, who are these people? Were they indicted? Are these war criminals? Like what, what's listed? And particularly this fellow that is associated with some sort of genocide program against black people like, oh, yeah. By next Thursday, we should all know some information about this guy. And are the anybody that watched the television show? Are these specific people? like mentioned in the TV pro, like are these people brought to life do they have a character Balder Von Sirach if that's how you say it is he in the show like what in the hell (laughs) um maybe there was a reason it was so popular let's see anything else that I had once again we got a white person much like Alice where it seems they might have a problem with their nude white body where Joe and Juliana she's watching him and he's upset gets anxious about her looking at him and she's like man we've had sex and everything and now you're going to be all modest and upset about all this well, moment again uh, she asks him about this book again uh, the grasshopper that sleeps or whatever it is that's um, this alternate history that's supposed to be banned and uh, she like, how could you be reading it something about it worried her don't they still shoot people for reading it depends on your racial group what now they got some books I guess that are so dangerous that nobody can have them regardless of what your racial classification but I mean wow things are so racially stratified that they have some books if you're classified as white you can read and access and some books you could be executed for like what (laughs) let me repeat Dr. Welsing again reading is more important than watching television my goodness Uh, let's see oh I thought this was important too We have, it's so much done for performance here some of it I guess because there's so much suspicion and thinking and snitching on people but and you can't you know have a, a Negro slave see you carrying something and all of this so much has got to be you know done for the, the sake of display and who's going to see you so this is Takomi now at the embassy building he found other dignitaries cars parked around about a dozen in all highly placed Worthies, some of whom he knew, some of whom were strangers to him, could be seen ascending the wide steps of the embassy building, filling on inside, filing on inside. Mr. Takomi's chauffeur held the door open and he stepped out quickly, gripping his briefcase. It was empty because he had no papers to bring but it was essential to avoid the appearance of being a mere uh oh spectator even in this alternative universe that's one thing I can appreciate don't want to be a spectator that's not a good look he strode up the steps in a manner suggesting a vital role in the happenings although he had not even been told what this meeting would cover now I mean you talk about fakeries and lack of authenticity I mean gosh i (laughs) I got to fake the briefcase and everything look like I'm in. Poor. I don't even know what we're talking about, man. What's the meeting about today? <laughs> I have no idea, but I got to looking for, make sure the niggers don't see me. Can of like what is going on? I'd be feeling bad too. All the time. Like you got all this craziness going on. Uh, let's see. Something else. Uh, uh, uh the self, the fat one, when they're talking about Herman Goring, uh, let's see. They said that his object of his drives self glorification in ancient emperor fashion. I said that is like as clear as you can get from Mr. Fuller. What does he say? That's the whole gadget object of white supremacy, racism, Uh, fun, personal glory like that. And to be to make every individual classified as white, a king, a queen to themselves like that. I mean, it just does not get any more flagrant than that right there. Uh, Let's see. Make sure we didn't miss the caller oh five t six. Did you have commentary you wanted to sneak in before we get ready to wrap things up,
5: sir? have oh, yeah. greetings, guys, greetings, callers and listeners. Um, this book, this type of book, this genre, um, um, makes me realize that um, this is very common. Um, white people are creating um fantasies about what what, what would have happened if um the Nazis won wouldn't that have been um really great for the system of white supremacy if we'd have um allowed that to happen or the the white people who are wanting that to happen would have um uh, succeeded okay this is a video game super super popular video game called Wolfenstein, and it keeps getting remade over and over and over and i and that video game is about what would have happened if the Nazis won you know you get to go kill um uh Hitler mechanize Hitler for four different video games, and it just goes to show that um uh, white people are really um um nothing's new in this system that they recycle the same ideas but what I am seeing from this book is that um this is really um displaying how white people are just masters of like strategies uh, and um and how they have um, just organized themselves around like a war, you know, race and the white supremacy of the war uh against us and um just have it here and there. And uh, all these concepts, really um, known as areas, but um, very, 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 very interesting. And I'll meet my line.
3: Let us see. Much obliged. Zero five two six. Be in Santa Rosa. Just listening. Do you have any comments that you were going to get in there? Be in Santa Rosa. Hello, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Hi. Um,
4: uh, good evening, everybody. Um, I'm having a hard time, like, um, grasping, like, what's going on because it's so flip-flop that I'm having a hard time imagining and seeing what's going on. Like, like the other lady said earlier, who is who and what is what. It's just so backwards. Um, uh, another thing I noticed is that white people aren't ignorant about what's going on because of the flip-flop of of the roles of uh, uh, of being dominated by um, the Japanese and and their mistreatment, and and that puts a stab to let me know that even in their writing, they understand what they're doing and how they're doing it by flip-spot-and-rolls.
3: And, um, that's all. Thank you. Uh, much obliged Being be in Santa Rosa. Uh, I thought that it would be kind of a tussle, like uh, it's one of those, like, man, because, and then you've got like all the crazy, if you're just listening, you've got all these crazy accents you have to kind of wade through, because that can kind of helps inform about, okay, is this a white person, a non-white person, is a German, and all the, is this a Jewish person, so-called, like, it's a lot to try to piece together uh within all of this and is this like a real bit of history is this something made up like it's a lot to kind of keep moving and uh process together uh it's definitely one of those i think it's it's helpful or it can be helpful to have the book there with you so you can kind of like oh okay this this is the character from boom, who's boom, where we are to kind of follow everything but yeah i thought kind of challenging uh Yes, I don't know about the TV show, if it's, you know, difficult to watch or, or, or to follow or what have you. But yes, a little bit on the challenging side, uh, wacky sci-fi universe. But it's not a very long book and by next week we'll be halfway done. So hopefully by next week we'll be a little bit more comfortable. We'll have heard the characters a little bit more and it'll make sense. But that'll be my homework assignment. Let us look up some of these mentioned uh, Nazis in the text. And see what they did. Who are these folks? Any we will be here tomorrow for neutralizing workplace racism Saturday for the compensatory call in much obliged for folks uh, participating. Hopefully it is worthy of your time and energy, especially for all the folks who wanted us to check out this here book. Uh, Sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. Uh, We will need high functioning brain computers to solve this problem in addition to being sober if you're out and about you are sober buckled not on the cell phone doing the small things that we can to stay as safe as possible and minimizing contact with race soldiers badge or no all of that said creator we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately cow signing out thanks all for tuning in
1: nigga you so brainwashed I'm a victim, brother.
0: You're a victim. I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed
5: my conditioning.
0: Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned.